Hey, it's the franchise from Talking Pop with the franchise and Biko. Just let you know, we have a storefront. It's teespring.com slash Talking Pop. We got shirts. We got tank tops for men, women, kids. We also got hoodies and sweatshirts. Um, we actually have coffee mugs and we have an iPhone case and a Samsung case with the Popstronaut logo on there. Also, we have stickers so you can put on your locker, on your laptop, wherever you want to put those stickers on there. So right now, if you go to teespring.com slash TalkingPop, and when you go to check out, use the promo code TalkPop and save $5 on your order. Support the podcast. As always, geek on and take care. Fanboys and fangirls, welcome to another edition of Talking Pop with the Franchise and Biko. It's your podcast on all things pop culture. I am your illustrious host, the Franchise, and of course, joining me is my brother Biko. Reboots. Yeah, reboots. Honestly, to me, reboots are pretty much the saying that, hey, even though the riches are great, let's do it again. Or let's make some more money. Money. And more fucking money. And other thing is it pretty much means that Hollywood's pretty much out of ideas. They don't wanna they don't wanna take chances on new ideas, at least. Because they, they want a return on investment because we have entered an age where movies have become a very high risk lucrative investment. Um, and they're Hollywood kind of put themselves in their own hole, we'll say, in a sense of that their own stinginess and boys club of only relying on certain production companies, certain uh, certain actors, certain we want to say branded, branded high prolific people in the industry who are given all this cash to generate products that sometimes create you know and and create new ideas or expand a perception of new ideas and and find yourself successful and and build upon those properties and then there's others that are like what the hell are they why what's the point why and that's what we want to focus on we want to focus on reboots that weren't necessary we can we can throw in some remakes in there we can talk about ones that are okay or not saying necessarily did it justice, but in a sense that it was nice. It was a nice little tale to see how this was taken, just how we, um, and I guess we could think about wh- why we can also think. About I mean, we why also Hollywood talk- does it. 
And then we go to touch base on revivals because now with oh yeah revivals too yeah because you know it's like point to the, hey this show was popular back then why not bring it back for a new generation and it's like okay I totally understand that you try to still get like the nostalgia market of it but it's like it goes with the old saying if it ain't broke don't fix it mm-hmm. but Hollywood aside like yeah you know what it did good broken. back then it's always broken. If you do it, yeah. hey, if it did well back then, let's bring it back now. So it's like, and I was like going through like, I just Googled, you know, the worst reboots, like the worst Hollywood remix. And I found this article from like three years ago from crack.com. So just to read you what they felt were like the 21st um, worst Hollywood uh, reboots and why they failed. This is the title of the article. So this is crack.com. So I'm citing them. They're a source. Um, the first one was the Planet of the Apes remake from, like, 2001. Oh, yeah. Of course, you know, in 68, remember the original came out in 68, it was adapted from a, you know, it was adapted from a French novel. Um, this is what the review was, according to the crack pulled up. Pioneering film with an avant-garde soundtrack that explores themes of persecution and utilitarianism. And ends with one of the greatest twists in cinema history. You know, that one scene where he's on the beach, you see the Statue of Liberty, and... What's what's the actor's name? Tra- uh, was it Charles Heston? Charles and Heston. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it all to hell! Damn. Yeah, damn it, the apes all to hell, and then because it was them who end up creating. And him. then the shot expands, which is great cinematography. And the shot expands until you see the head and the torch of the Statue of Liberty on the ground. So it, if if you haven't seen the original Planet of the Apes, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, it's probably one of the film. best movies. Yeah, it it's probably on the list of movies you should see before you die. Look at um, the prosthetic makeup and everything. Just yeah, just how just everything for the time and and how it showed and it, it you know just the themes of the story and, and it makes you think of like what could possibly happen and basically what we did to animals in our society. So and then of course they tried to be back in two thousand and one. You know before they did the whole one with the, you know Rise of the Planet of the Apes and all that stuff. Like the beginning, they decided to go back to like the prequel. But they tried to redo oh, well, it. Oh, that's a little better, though. That's a little better, but this is when they tried to do, like, they went back and tried to do in 2001. I think Tim, Tim Burton. Burton. Yeah, Tim Burton yeah. decided to take it out. Which is, I thought it was way This is, what they, this is an opinion from it. 2001. Something about time travel and lightning storms and alternative timelines, like Back to the Future 2, except with Marky Mark and some monkeys. Yeah, dude. Because I that's fine, because, yeah. oh, let, let the end of that film. Yeah, I saw Planet of 2001. Don't get me wrong, the effects were great. You know, Good the time, makeup yeah. and everything. You got like Marco Clark Duncan, you had Paul Giamatti. Um, was it Forrest Whitaker in that too? Forrest Whitaker was in it, Paul Giamatti. You know, you had uh, Helena Bottom Carter. So you had those characters. And, um, I mean, the makeup was good. But that twist at the end, just spoiler alert, guys, is um, he, they finally find a way to go back. In time. For the Tim Burton. Spoiler for the Tim Burton. For the Tim Burton one. They, he, they have going back... They landed in Washington, but he they thought they were back in their Washington, but when he looked at the Lincoln Memorial, it was the head of the... It was a, you know, ape. It was an oh, ape head. Oh, yeah. It was an ape head. So he landed, and of course, he gets detained by the the police. And, of course, our apes. So, but, I mean, it was all right for that time, but it kind of, yeah, it got, like, pan reviews, and, you know, Tim tried. He tried to explore other mediums that, you know... You know, he couldn't handle, but that was one of the things he tried to say. Hey, let me try, you know, take my hand, my crack at Planet of the Apes. Let me put my view on it, which, the only reason why I say it's weirdly left field for a, for for them 
put giving money to Tim Burton to create this to direct this thing is the fact that although Tim Burton was doing some weird films and he he has a good thing he he's a good storyteller for what it's worth at least direction wise but with this one it's just like which we do see uh, at least from the list the past decade and in the, in the tens the 2010s that he was given a chance to to definitely take over different properties which we'll get to it in this bit but like he, he's gonna probably come up on this list a lot. Now, I didn't mind you guys. I haven't seen this cracked article. Um, Fanchise is literally just reading to us. He's gonna go down this list and he's gonna read to me and I'm just reacting. So for this, it's just kind of like why? T why? What was he thinking? Like I don't I, like why did they go with Tim Burton? And I, I'm a big Tim Burton fan, so it's not a pro I, I, I was, I was very skeptical on it, but at the same time, like it's just one of those movies that. You gotta watch high, cause it's just so strange. <laughs> it's just like, wait, what? Okay, well, yeah, well, at least there's cool monkeys and or apes, and they're all talking to humans. I mean, it and had like, it had Marky a solid Mark. like it had a solid cast. But I think what was her name? Wasn't it too? Like I don't bomb Connor Car uh, Carter was. Uh, yeah, she's in it too. Yeah, because that's Tim oh, Burton's wife. His yeah. wife. Yeah, she's in everything. But she's a great actress, though. I yeah. kind of like her. I enjoy her work. Um, number twenty, they have the Wicker Man. Oh, and Nicholas Cage. So that remember there was one nineteen seventy three with Christopher one, Lee, who by yeah. far when it comes to acting, great actor. This is what the review was it. This is how Crack reviewed it as. Horror classic about the dangers of cult mentality starring a cinematic icon, Christopher Lee. And then of course we got the remake in two thousand six. <laughs> uh, and this is what Crack said about it. Oh, Nicholas Cage yeah. screaming about bees and punching women in the face <laughs> yeah. while wearing a bear costume. It's so I had not seen that film. I don't know if you've seen it, Biko. I, I don't know if you've seen, seen the, the, the Wicker Man two thousand six. I saw it I saw it actually because I was in high school man. that was my sophomore year. No, I could be going into my freshman year. So like it was so and at that time, I was really into Nicolas Cage, too, um, because I loved Gone in 60 Seconds when I was a kid. So, watching him, like, I always, I've always had a thing for uh, for Nicolas Cage movies because they're so weird. Uh, he, he, you know, he's the man who does it. And this movie is just so, like, comparing to the original one, the original Wicker Man, there's no comparison. The original Wicker Man is great because it's, it's terrifying in a moral sense of things and, and like, like you described it, it's it's literally the dangers of cult like mentalities and how dangerous it can be, and the way he's literally just he's just going the whole around. It just like panned in Nicholas Cage. He looks freaked out the whole time that he's doing it, and it's just it's a bad movie too. It's got a weird longish a longish wrong time, and it's not really necessary. The ending wasn't as captivating as the original version. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think that the casting's fine. Like Nick, picking the Cage is fine because it could sell the movie, but I don't understand. And he's—I'd rather watch Face Off again twenty times before I watch the newer Wicker Man again. It's just not good. Not a good movie. Okay, here's um number nineteen um, on the crack list. Uh, the Mummy from nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, this is what. Brandon Fraser? Brandon Fraser. Oh, to me, it was a great series. I enjoyed it. It was a thrilling, fun adventure film, following heavily influenced by, you know, in the Indiana Jones movies. It was good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the, yeah. the movie films. The Mummy, Mummy Returns. Uh, of course, they did the spin off with the Scorpion King. Which we got. Uh, our first, I didn't see the one that. I know they brought him back for the Tomb of the Dragon Emperor with, like, Jet Li. I don't know if you've seen that film, but. No, I didn't bother. I was kind of done with the franchise. 
Yeah, but Mummy and Mummy Returns, yeah, I wish the CGI Mummy Returns was a little better, especially on the Scorpion Rock, but of course it was like 2002 or 2001, so the CG was kind of basic back then, it wasn't like as really developed at that time, but still, it was, the, 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 the first film, The Mummy, was really good. Yeah. It introduced, you know, that one actor, I forgot his name as The Mummy, you know, he became like, you know, typecast as the stereotypical bad guy, I forgot the actor's name who played him. But, I mean, Brandon Fraser, you know, he had a list of movies, you know, he was before that, that he was, you know, in Sino Man, 2000s. and then he did uh, George of the Jungle, the one where he, like, I guess he was a guy that was raised in a bomb shelter or something, and he finally got out or something, I forgot what that movie's called, but it's like, he's a, he plays this, this teenager who he gets, like, he, he, I guess he lived his whole life in a bomb shelter, and finally gets uh, out, and, you know... I don't know what the name that film is, but... I mean, I seen The Mummy. I seen when it came out. Like, I saw it on TV. I didn't see it when it came out in theaters, but I felt it was really good. I enjoyed it. And then, of course, you got the one from 2017 because Universal, you know, they tried their hands on the Dark Universe. They were going to try to oh, do, like, yeah. the Dark Universe. Yeah, with Tom Cruise, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was a joke. Here's what they said. The 2017 remake is a paint-by-numbers exercise designed only to set up a new shared universe, which, in case of point, the Dark Universe... The movie begins with a cameo by Man, Russell Crowe, who was supposed to play Dr. Jekyll. It somehow shoehorned into the franchise and introduces the universe. So, eventually, this film was going to start off the Dark Universe, of course, having Dr. Jekyll. I think they had, like, they were, were going to have Brad season. Dracula. They were going to have Johnny Depp in there as well. They were going to have the Invisible Man. You know, because Universal had, like, you know, they had rights to the, the movie monsters. There was, oh, they were going to try to do, like, the movie monsters. Yeah, Frankenstein monsters, yeah. They were Which would have been cool. It would have been awesome to see But the problem was, they were, they were putting all their money on how well this movie was going to be. You know, you had Tom Cruise. I mean, we saw the trailers in theaters. Just, it, uh, it just didn't, critics panned it. didn't generate so enough revenue on it. But. I mean, it was cool having a female mummy, but so it was like a little change of pace. You know, they, you know, try to mix it up a little bit, but it just didn't, you know, didn't catch on. And of course, the dark universe got shelled, basically. It just got swept under the rug, never talked about again. The cool uh, thing about that that came out of it was the fact that the universal opening uh, credit, it was like a dark twist looking thing for it. Like they kind of turned it back to black and white. It was really cool. That was cool, but. All in all, Mummy is one of those movies that it's a Saturday, you're not got much going on, and you want to just, like, not think for almost two hours. There you go. Just watch it. Mindless entertainment kind of deal. So, I would... I don't hate it, don't love it. I wish it would have done better, because I, I wanted to see the Dark Universe again come back. It would have been awesome, but... And maybe Nosferatu, that would have been cool. But no, we it's just not, just not great, not good. Just It is what it is. Very bland, but does the job, entertainment. Okay, it looks like um, in here for the Ghostbusters, um, they did. I guess they focused on the, like the villains. Of course, in the original Ghostbusters, you had. Wait, this is, so the next one is Ghostbusters. Yeah. Okay. So Ghostbusters, the here they put like the villains. Of course, in Ghostbusters, the first film, you know, you had Gozer, who was the, the main demon. Um, you know, who they fight at the end. Um, of course, the the here it says Agent Purity wants to destroy everything. And I guess in uh, the the, rem- the the reboot with the female cast that when it came out twenty sixteen, the main villain was Rowan, who uh, says thirties total dick wants revenge on the puny world. 
I did not see the female Ghostbusters. No, I didn't either, and I really had no desire to. Not, and, and I'm not destroying the, the actresses or anything. No, but it's, it, like, it's I, not for the reason that they people wanted that you would think would be, like, especially the whole. I guess you could say machoism is shit, but it just was a movie that's dead. Like, if you were to watch the trailers and stuff, it just wasn't. It didn't look good. Like, what was the, I mean, it just, what was the point? They yeah. literally just flipped everything over. Like, Chris Hemsworth's the secretary now. Yeah, they made him the dumb guy who was supposed to be, which they tried. But, like, the, the female car- the female secretary in, in Ghostbusters wasn't like that at all. No, she had an attitude. She had character and she had personality. Character and personality. They yeah. literally just made Chris Hemsworth the dumb jock that was great to look at for the eyes. Like, yeah. that's all they made him to be. And the, and it was great is that they casted this movie fairly well. Like, no, they had a really good cast. Great comedians. They're funny in their own right. I mean, come on. Like, Kristen Wiig's one of the best actresses. Lindsay Jones. On, I mean, Lindsay yeah, Jones. Yeah, Leslie Jones. Oh, I can't remember the girl. Oh, uh, Kate Aussie. McKinnon. There you go. Yeah. She's like, are you kidding me? Some funny and then, and then, some uh, funny people. Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. All funny people. It's like, and it, yeah, I think it's shit. just the writing was bad. Like, I think the yeah. today it was the writing. Yeah, you had cameos from the Ghostbusters not playing themselves, but like cameos. It wasn't necessary. Yeah, it was like it's I know. Like paint by numbers. I know this year we're gonna get the the Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is a sequel to the original two. Uh, yeah. But I wish you know because I know Dan Aykroyd and you know Harold Ramis were trying for they were fighting to get a third film before you know Harold Ramis rest in peace. You know they were both trying to get a third film going, but of course. The only holdout was Bill Murray. Like, he didn't want to come back into that universe, even though, you know, he was great at it. Um, it was, I think, to me, it was hard for them to try to do it without Bill, without his character of Vakeman. It was kind of hard. And then, you know, that was cool. He was able to come out in the third film, in this film as well. Like, it's, it was cool that they, they brought three original. I, think, I don't know if they brought Ann Potts in it as well, but I think they all made cameos. Of course, with the separate Harold Ramis, but I think they all made cameos by these different characters. But that's kind of cool how they're going to come back for the afterlife that's coming out later this year. So I'm looking forward to that and see how, you know, it's with um, Jason Redman, who's Ivan Redman's son. If you remember, he helped direct the first two Ghostbusters. Hmm. So we'll see how he handles the universe. We'll see how it goes. So, okay, I can see why. Um, I don't know. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, number 17, they had the Karate Kid from 1984. Woo! You know, and here they put the kid learns karate. And the Karate Kid 2010 with Jackie Chan and Jaden Smith, Smith. The kid look, learns kung fu. Yeah, literally, it's not even the same. Not I mean, I same. have not. I didn't see the the. the you didn't see that the twice and ten. It's overly long for no reason, but what it's it took basically all the charm. It's literally watching it the same movie, um, but with Jackie Chan as Mr. Miyagi, Jaden Smith as a. Uh, is basically Ralph Macchio's character. Um, um, God, I can't. Why but am I drawing a blank? Doesn't uh, this one? He goes like his mom. Like his yeah, mom. they he she gets a a, a job in China, mm-hmm. and they go and he's like, I want to go home. It, it's all set up the same way. He gets bullied by uh these these kids in a rival dojo, but like everyone knows karate there, kung fu essentially. And Jackie Chan's the one who saves him before he gets his ass beat, and it. It's over long. The only reason I say it's overly long because they they put in a lot a lot of parts that weren't really necessary. Uh, but the montage was definitely longer when it's training. But it's like it has the same thing that I've have. It has the same type of gripes that I ha- that I have with these new live action Disney remakes that we're, we're that they're doing. And is it the fact that it's like it, there's no charm to it? There's no that takes away the soul. 
it, it's just kind of like there's the magic, quote unquote magic is subjective, but it's like we kind of already know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's my problem with Reapers is that like there's no there's no magic. There's not a spin. And like the only thing they're doing is they're just painting with different paint, but it's the same shit. Like, and I'm a big Jackie Chan fan, so like it was cool seeing them. And I like Jaden Smith too, for what it's worth. Uh, and it's an alright movie. Not terrible. It's just kind of long for no reason. It's like almost I mean, it's like two hours for no reason. And I the grew up on the Karate Kid too. Yeah, the right? original was only like an hour and thirty minutes. Hmm. Well, why do we need the more thirty extra thirty minutes for it? When hmm. there was not really more, ex- they took. I think they just took a long time for the exposition, and then hmm. the original Karate Kid didn't take that long for the exposition. You get that in like the first twenty minutes, and you kind of, and then you see the growth of Danny, uh, not Danny, Daniel, Daniel son. There you go. Yeah, you get the you get him his character arc changed is in the original. So like is and this one you get that with Jaden Smith too. And he, he, you know, he, he finds a love interest and he gets more scenes with that too. Um, and the kid's fairly young compared to D- daniel song when he was, I, he was definitely a senior, uh, a high schooler. I think Jaden Smith was younger. He might've been 12 or 13. So he wasn't even in high school. Cause like he, this was like a little bit after, like maybe a year or two after he did the pursuit of happiness. So like he, his like, yeah, I think was it was rising. Yeah, the, the, yeah, when he did that film with his dad. Yeah. Like, I love that film. For it's a great film, too. It's a great film. And then here, number 16 on the, on the crack list, um, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Um, it came out in 1951. Um, pretty much a friendly alien name. Cloud 2 tries gentle persuasion to convince humanity to stop building nukes, only using threats as the last resort. He said that the whole purpose was that of the film was, here's this alien who's visiting the planet and pretty much... Gives an ultimate. It basically is trying to make you know tell the world that hey, we don't need weapons of mass destruction to solve conflicts. It could be done through diplomacy, and if they don't listen, you know, then he's gonna, you know, then we're gonna, you know, the threat was a last resort. You know, we're gonna destroy the planet or something. Mm-hmm. And then of course, they did one in two thousand eight with Keanu Reeves playing, you know, the character. Was it Nicole Kidman in there too? I think she was in it. And of course, and here's just what they put for two thousand eight version remake. An alien with no personality named Cloud comes to Earth to threaten man to be more eco-friendly or he'll wipe us the hell out without <laughs> thought. And also with Jaden Smith for some reason. He's in there too? Yeah. I, I think I seen the I seen the day the episode so we counted Reeves. It was interesting. It was like the same concept but I think at this time the concept they did was I think with this version they tried to change the concept. Instead, building nukes was the planet. I think it was the planet's resources were getting bad. You know, the environment was getting horrible and stuff. So what we're going through now, guys. <laughs> basically, we're going now. So basically, this was like an eco type. Uh, the synopsis was like more like eco friendly version. Like basically, you know, Kennedy's character. He had no personality. Yeah, he wasn't. He was just like this bland alien. But he had the big robot and pretty much said that your planet resources are dying. You need to do something about your change. If not, we have no choice, you know, I guess they're made the other plants look bad or something. It's like, you know, you got to find a way to, to work together to get the sword back to the way it's supposed to be. Or you'll get wiped out. And or you'll get wiped out. So, I mean, it was all right. It wasn't. I mean, I love Keanu Reeves, but it's like, that was before his big, you know, rebirth, as you call it when the John Wick films. So this is like before his rebirth. Of course, now he's like the biggest thing again, so it's like. Eh, this is resurgence, is good in this but career. It's not bad. If you guys get a chance, just watch the one with Keanu Reeves, like, just to give you an idea. Like, if you're. 
I mean, I, like I said, some of these phones, I have not seen the originals, but some I did. But it's like, I mean, it's not too bad. It's not the greatest film, but I mean, it was decent. The visuals were okay, but it's like, it gives you, it's one of those films that makes you kind of think, you know, what if, you know? Um, here's number 15, which is called The Haunting. Mm. Uh, it came out in 1963, and uh, what they call, described it as Loki horror with a supernatural implied rather than actually shown. So I'm guessing, you know, yeah. it was more like a, maybe you think. It was more on the mind. A cerebral thriller. Like a cerebral thriller. And here in 1999, they tried to do 1999, and they, they pretty much described it as a cheesy CGI fest. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen The Haunting. I think it came out in 99. What, what, that's with, um, that's not Catherine Cedar Jones, right? I don't know. Look it up. I don't remember. I'm pretty was sure. It, Catherine, she, was she in that film? Or was it the, I know there's another film with her in it. Oh, The Haunting in 99. <sighs> I know that name sounds familiar. Yeah, but wasn't her and Sean Carter that other film where they play like a thief or something, like Jewel Thieves or something? Or are you going to get views of that one? Hmm. Directed by Jan de Bont. Um, stars Catherine Zeta Jones, yeah. Okay. Owen Wilson, yeah. Oh, wow. I've Wilson? seen clips of this movie because it was weird and I was really. Oh, it was was like, why did you do like, was it was in a house, right? Yeah, they're just in a house and they tried to do something, but they they threw in CGI, like weird, demonic looking fucking spirit things, but it doesn't, it's not good. Okay. I remember it briefly, like, I, I, I didn't watch it, but it's based on the, ha- the Haunting of Hill House on the book. So the haunting on Hill House is is a is a definitely a property, guys. That is gonna be constantly different and made. Yeah, it's because that's what the original thing was called. Yeah. yeah, it's like we we have it on Netflix. It's the same shit, not but they just took out the Hill House and just put the haunting from the since the original. So like the this the concept of the house of a haunted house that's that's possessing people who are interested in finding these hauntings. Is gonna be a uh, old horror trope that's gonna be used for decades to come, and this one just was not good. And Owen Wilson was like kind of barely starting out, so a lot. And I don't know if people noticed, but you a lot of stars who are were stars or household names now acted in some pretty terrible movies to get their foot in the door. Obviously, so, like McConaughey was in that Texas Chainsaw, or even like TV shows show. as well. I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, like look at Paul Rudd. He was on Friends. He was a, he was a recurring character on Friends, and he he didn't get big to like. I think he wasn't he. In, he was um, in Clueless. It was in Clueless, and then yeah, after Clueless, like he was on Friends for a while, and then he started doing like films. And look at him now. He's Ant Man. I mean, he did that movie with Netflix where he plays himself twice. Yeah. <laughs> Which I got to see because it looks like it's kind of interesting. Um. Here, it looks like they picked a TV show this time. Uh, number 14 was Boy Meets World. Uh, uh, I guess they te- they focused on a character. Um, complex storyline for several seasons with strong black female character in case point Angela. Who pretty much... Right. I love that character. She was great. You she know, they needed, like, Sean, you know, Sean Hunter was basically, like, he had different girlfriends. I think this one was the one that kind of, like... Because you know how Sean always had that rebellious side to him? And then, of course, yeah, I think she was the one that helped keep him in check. Mm-hmm. And it was cool. And here we go. And now they talk about Girl Meets World, which oh, pretty okay. much I focuses on, you know, Topanga and and Corey raising their daughter. 
the teenage daughter and her and her son in New York. You know, and you know, of course the teacher. He's teaching and the funny thing, his daughter's in his class, so that's kinda of interesting. And here it says Gerwitz will only major black character originally portrayed as a filmmaker that then kept only as comic relief. <laughs> yeah, I mean I haven't watched Gerwitz for in a while. I watched it like the first season because you know nostalgia. I'm I, I'm sorry guys, I'm one of those people they get Trap on the stars because I grew up on Girl on Boy Meets Roy. I even saw I was even on that Friday when the, they showed the final episode of Boy Meets World, which made me cry a little bit because I mean I grew up on Boy Meets World. You know that that's was my go to for TGIF guys. Remember TGIF in the nineties, man? That was my jam. You know, Family Matters, Step by Step, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, Boy Meets World. You know they had different shows on there. And, you know, and then I was happy when they brought back Girl Meets World. Don't get me wrong, it's not a bad show. I still got a, a lucky. I think uh, Disney Plus has it, so I'll probably have to check it out again. But yeah, it's kind of funny they put that like on the 14th, like for number 14 on the list. Um, okay, <laughs> here's number 13, a lucky number. Um, Dirty Dancing. <laughs> oh, they did remake that one. I didn't realize they did. Uh, here we go, 1987. And this is what they said. Because remember the one 1987, of course, that was the one that pretty much. Made Patrick Swayze every girl's, you know, fantasy. Huh. And that sequence has been played a lot. A lot. It's been par- it's been parody. It's been talked about in TV shows. In recent, in what the most recent memory was how I Met Your Mother when Barney was talking about when he was telling the story. They're like, oh, that's from Dirty Dancing. I mean, it had Patrick. We had Patrick Swayze. You had Jennifer Grey. It's like, come on. And that was Jennifer Grey. Like, at, like what? Two years after, um, mm. she was on uh, Ferris Bueller. Is they all? Yes. Because remember, she played a sister. Yes. And of course, Patrick Swayze, I mean, he'd done films like, you know, he was Roadhouse. Was he, was he Roadhouse? Yeah, Roadhouse. Yeah, so seeing him being the dance instructor, and of course, they had that one song that got famous by Captain Antonio, Time of My Life. <laughs> and of course, that dance sequence. And here we go, this is what they said about the remake. The remake came out in 2017. Oh, really? So think about it. It was what, 30 years later? Yeah, three years later, this remake totally bombed, right? Because added unnecessary backstories and too many plot lines. Turned itself to a sort of musical star, people with zero chemistry, and they really had anyone dancing dirty. <laughs> I'd never seen Dirty Dancing. It gets rough. Like, I only know it because it kept getting referenced a lot in TV shows. I don't think you saw Beacon. No, seen I it. didn't. I didn't see. I, dude, I, I literally, I don't remember even them remaking it. I didn't know they had a remake. I remember, and the old one. Yeah. I think they did one called Dirty Dancing Havana Nights or something. Mm. It's my folks. My mom talked about it. Our mom oh, talked that's about it. Right. She talked that. about it because you know. I guess that would be like a sequel, or a spinoff. Some my spinoff, I would call it. Because they're still like telling the same story. I wonder if that's what they're referencing. Just in a whole other place. Well, which is. I wonder if that's okay, what they were. Re- I like, bet you that's what they were referencing. It's it's get it's like the the ninja t- it's like the ninja it's like the the Karate Kid version but for Dirty Dancing it's like the, it's not it's not bad it's mm-hmm. just like meh, like okay just putting a different coat of paint on it but it's still the same thing like which is fine it's comfortable it's they play it safe doing that and then number twelve will be Guess Who's Coming to Dinner from nineteen sixty seven. Um, this is what they did for their commentaries in a socially relevant classic about changing racial attitudes and interracial marriage. Made it at a time when such marriages were still illegal in parts of the U.S. Wow. What? 
Really? Wow, interesting. Well, I mean, it was two years after, what, after the Civil Rights Movement and everything. And... Yeah. Okay, I could see... I've never seen that film, but I'm guessing it was interesting. I think it opened a lot of people's eyes. And, of course, we, I've seen this one called Guess Who, which took the same concept. It was when Bernie Mac and Ashton Kutcher with Zoe Zaldana in it. I remember that film. And this is a associate irrelevant, oh, right. it says associate irrelevant, non-classic about how racial distrust is hilarious if the races are reversed. You remember that? So I guess this one was the. I guess in the version of 1967 was the the actor, the African American actor, was the one getting picked on by by, by the girlfriend's family. And I guess in this one, it's the other way around. So the actually, I remember the actual creature character was being played by Bernie Mac. Like he yeah, kept, he was. He, like he was always wait, trying to. Wait, did we us. see this movie? I think it was in 05, went, dude. Yeah, we went to see this in the theater. Oh my god, dude, that's actually was hilarious. funny because of Bert, man, Bernie Mac, dude. Oh, All right, God rest his soul, man. He was great, dude. One of the best. Zoe so Zaldana was in it. I'm like, come on, it, it, was, was, it was a good, good. film. Actually. Yeah, it was all right. I remember they just flipped it over so it's the white dudes going to the... Going to the, the hassle. The show. Yeah. So, uh, that was, that was good. I don't know why they have it on here. It was alright. And then we go to number 11, King Kong. Oh, yeah. The original, the original 1933 King Kong was a straightforward film that kept focus on Kong, the main attraction. I mean, 1933, when it comes to like films like that, it's, to me, it's a classic because, number one, I've seen bits of the original King Kong. Like they, A lot of people talk about it, that film. A lot of people discuss that film, like, you know, like James Rolfe from Cinemassacre. He talks about that a lot. He does that Monster Madness thing for October. And he mentions this King Kong, and he always talks about how well the 33 film is. Because, I mean, the special effects at that time, you know, using, like, stop motion for, like, the character and the details when he did the close-up shots of King Kong was actually kind of cool and everything. And, of course, having him going through the city, it's all stop motion, early, like, you know, special effects. And it took the how effort, like, Hollywood taking a gamble on it. And of course, we get the one in 2005, um, directed by Peter Jackson. Mm. Remember, Peter Jackson directed King Kong, guys. It was 2005, so remember, it was like two years after he did Return to King. So it was so like people were thinking, oh, how can he top it off? So he said, oh, let me handle King Kong. At that time, it was owned by Universal. Mm-hmm. Which was actually really cool for the turn of the century, not turn of the century, but what was it, 2005? Yeah, it says here, this is what they, well, this is what Crack um, commentated as. The remake in 2005 got way too distracted by the human characters. It go, uh, goes on for an insufferable three hours, and you have to yeah. wait over an hour to sing Kong. Yeah, that's, that's, the, uh, yeah, that Did you see that film in theaters, or? I saw it, like, three times. We saw it in theaters, because we were on the Lord of the Rings train after Peter Jackson's stuff, which Lord of the Rings is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And, uh... I saw it th- like three times, and that was my honestly the human thing. I sure that's yeah, fine. it, it kind of makes sense because you saw do- more to it people. It does take away were... from the back then, but um, now, like, yeah, they did focus a lot on the character development and whatnot. But at the one, does that make it bad? When does that ever make it in a movie bad? Like that's kind of the whole point. Mm-hmm. But it does suck that we saw we didn't get to see Kong for too long on the screen. And I think what they're mentioning is just because, like, we are always... They are really focused on the island and the tribe. And it's like, ooh, what's what's so fucking... What's so scary about the island? And people kind of already know it's Kong. The movie's it's called Skull Kong Island, yeah. Reason. Skull Island, yeah. So, like, well, the new one kind of, like, more focuses more on him now. Which, of course, now they're they're setting up the Kong vs. Godzilla fight. 
Yeah, good luck. We'll yeah. see how that goes. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, for that time, you know, yeah, any circus doing the motion capture effects for Kong, which, come on, any circus, I mean, when it comes to, like, CGI motion capture, and, you know, he's got good acting chops. I mean, you had um, Jack Black, you had Naomi Watts, you had Adrian Brody in it, I mean, like I said, it's just, you know, it was just like Peter Jackson saying, what can you do next, you know, after Lord of the Rings, so it's like, what 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 franchise can you tackle next? Mm. Then okay, number ten we have Conan the Barbarian from 1982. It says here in 1982, Conan Barbarian James Earl Jones' unflappable calmness and subtle charisma made Tulsa Doom a great villain. <laughs> I forgot he was the bad guy in that film. Really? Yeah, he was the bad guy in uh, Conan Bryant and Conan the Barbarian. And then it says there in the 2011 remake, Miles Cortrich's villain, Kala Zim, is just a run-of-the-mill, cruel, violent warrior archetype. <laughs> yeah, I remember the... I didn't see too much. I know there was, like, like trailers for the 2011 one with uh, Jason Momoa as Conan, the Barbarian. So, of course, you had an original, yet Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because they think about it, that was his first film. Yeah. That was his film debut. Because remember, he was just a bodybuilder... You know, and this is like this was like his first, you know, Hollywood film. I mean, I never saw the 2011 version, so can't really say too much about it. I remember just seeing clips from like the old one. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I don't think I've seen that. But hmm. well, moving on, we got number nine, which is uh, Rollerball. Rollerball. Yeah, it says there, while the original 1975 movie had its main character choose to take part in a deadly sport to regain his freedom in a corporate-controlled society, the 2002 remake loses this premise and relies on nothing more than a lot of action and extreme violence. Mm-mm. I don't remember seeing ever heard about that, so they know they had a remake as well. Hmm. Well, can't really say too much about that one. I don't know. We've never actually seen it. Uh, number eight will be the absent-minded professor. Neil Brainer, Ned Brainer's of 1961 discovers a rubbery substance with unique physical properties. I think this was like the inspiration for that film by Disney called Flubber. Flubber. And the funny thing is, it, it focused on Phil Brainer, so they named it the last name after the main character from the first film. It was in 97, discovers a sentient goo that does comical stuff like forming shapes and dancing. And he put a joke saying he also has a robot that who's in love with him. Hmm. That was a Robin Williams. That film was actually that film was funny because you know, I mean the effects of that time were, and especially the part when you go to the basketball game, hmm. when he decides to put the flubber in the shoes for the yeah. basketball players, because mostly the basketball team was like made up of uh, you know not athletically gifted people. So, and when they tried to dunk each other, the ball in the ceiling. And of course, you know, it does have that its moments, but it was a, it was a fun film. And of course, they made the car flying. Oh, yeah. A flying car. <laughs> that was kind of cool, right? Yeah. I mean, that was a good film, like Flubber 97. Well, 97. And Rob Villains is great. Yeah, actually, we went to see that in the theater. I, we watched it a lot growing up. I really liked it. I still kind of do. It's a fun movie. Okay, number seven, Halloween, 1978. Michael Myers is a mysterious and terrifying presence that sends chills down the spine. His childhood is briefly touched upon the first ten minutes of the film. Of course, you remember the scene when he goes kills the babysitter. Hell yeah. Wearing, wearing a mask. And of course, you get the one from Rob Zombie. Remember he did the two Halloween movies? Yes. 2007. The remake decided to overly analyze him by spending the first 40 minutes on Michael Myers as a child. 
This effectively removed any mystique and terror from the character and just turned the movie into a boring gore fest. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It wasn't... It, the pacing is actually not that great. Um, and I don't, I don't think it's... I hate to say... I don't think it's Rob's thing. I think it could have been like how certain scenes were definitely edited. Um, a lot of the killing scenes were pretty... Uh, what's the word? Telegraphed. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh... Okay, and then that's what's funny because you know Rob Zombie's kind of good with the thousand House of a Thousand Corpses stuff. I think, I think he was kind of limited because he had to essentially make a remake of or a remake slash reboot of the original Halloween. And then like what sucks is that the lore with Michael Myers in that movie is is all about. I want to say old school ways of, of creating those type of horrors. I mean, he was like, the way he was, he was like a disturbed child and, you know. Well, no, but yeah, but like, that's what I mean. Like, you didn't have to overanalyze the disturbed child part because we Mm kind of got that a lot with the whole run with Jamie Lee Curtis being in there. And then, um, didn't they make the reboot again that came out a couple years ago, the, the ending of it. And oh yeah, just simply just, Halloween. They brought Jamie Lee Curtis back, and just that to, wasn't the scary Michael Myers. That was just kind of Jamie Lee Curtis building up a. a it was like Home Alone with Michael. Remember Myers. they brought her back in what H two O was it? They brought her back. Yeah, that in? was bad. <laughs> that was bad. I was because like, there was one part where she was like in a mental institution or something, and then yeah, the sequels after the films like go find yeah, and, and then they had that one movie. They just had the name, but they didn't really talk about Michael Myers. It was just simply called Halloween: The Season of the Witch. Well, that was just because of the concept. Which, was like, as an anthology, it would be kind of cool, right? But they centered it around Michael Myers, and that's what sold, especially their costumes. So, like, with the one that came out recently, it, like I mentioned, it was Hol- it was Home Alone with Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Myers trying to break in and get her in. And he's just getting pummeled. You know what I mean? Like, he gets pummeled by Jamie Lee Curtis and her daughter and stuff. Like, it's really- The killing scenes were actually not bad in it. It was mm-hmm. actually pretty cool. But, like... God, he he wasn't the Michael Myers that you would think would be fearful, but it was just kind of like, oh, let's just end it already, because it is what it is. But we're, I don't doubt that we're going to see another Michael Myers movie again, but I just hope they don't. They Or maybe just create it into an anthology series that you can see on Netflix. That'd be cool. But Like the whole I, concept of it? Yeah, decent, just decent. Mm. It is what it is. Alright, number six. Um... Pretty much uh, the Godzilla, which honestly is one of the legendary monsters. Nineteen fifty four was when it came out. It was an unstoppable apocalyptic engine of death, metaphor for a nuclear holocaust. I mean, yeah, it was a guy in a rubber suit, but I mean, the way <laughs> the Japanese made the facts was great. I mean, it's span of so many fr- so many sequels. It's basically um, Toho's main franchise. Which they're very protected about, and of course, you know they referenced the Godzilla from 1998. Even though they decided, Toho decided, all oh, right, let's send our license to the American studio at that time. I forgot what studio it was. I think New Line that was doing it handled it, or was it Fox? I don't remember either one, but it was to American franchise. Just like, okay, guys, you got the license. Let's see how you do it. And I mean, there was a big marketing campaign by like Taco Bell did like a little marketing campaign, like yeah. a collaboration with. Guys, so you get the collector cups and everything, and um, we went to the movie for that one too. And basically, this is how Crack described it as radioactive iguana versus Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Because Victor Matthew Broderick plays the scientist with the weirdest, longest name. He was supposed to be Greek, I'm guessing. <laughs> Which everything was probably he was at a point like the like the. They, the armies were like trying. They couldn't even say his name. Like, they kept trying to be like mispronouncing his name. 
And it looked like Godzilla. Look at a giant lizard. It was like an iguana. Basically, it was what it was. And it was to the point that even like Toho decided like years later when they went back to bring Godzilla back, they had him killed. They they didn't call that thing Godzilla. They referred to it as being a fake, like Godzilla. They then retitled that version of Godzilla, and they actually had a film where Godzilla um, actually kills the American version. And that movie bombed so bad. I remember they even did a cartoon. Which was, was kind of weird. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah, it was on Fox Fucking Kids. Did. They did a cartoon on it. It just got kind of all the, it's like they're like, okay, it's Godzilla, you know. It worked out. <laughs> I mean, the whole concept was, oh yeah, he was a mutated, like lizard from like you know mutated lizard from an island because of the bomb testing and stuff, and then that's what it was like. It was mutated, you know, it grew big because of the. This is different American version, guys. Like it pretty much like basically. It was a result of nuclear testing. Nuclear bomb testing is supposedly radiated to the point it grew in size. And then, you know, it decides to... I think they try to capture it, and then all of a sudden it escaped and went through havoc through New York City to the point where it made the Madison Square Garden its nest. Yeah. And supposedly... Here's a bear sick clincher, guys. Apparently it was female and laid eggs. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, in the Japanese films, it was implied that he was male because... Yeah, because of his raging cock. Mm-hmm. His heart on that was going through the sea. But yeah, that film was... Oh. It, it was just not good. No, it was not good. Alright, number five. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, they had to put this on the list. 1990, the final battle focuses on martial arts and personal conflict. Which, take it to bottom. Teenage Mutant Ninja Tur- Turtles, the movie. That 1990 film, you know, it was the highest grossing... Independent film because remember they went to different studios to get a budget. Fox turned it down, Paramount turned it down, you know, you know, Disney at the time turned it down, like a lot of studios because it took more from the comics. I mean they took the different color hand bandanas, you know, from the cartoon. Because they used to look from the cartoon and then Palm was, you know, I think with kids at that time, because the the cartoon came out years before, they were thinking, Oh, you know, we get to see the turtles in live action. Um, but they think, oh, it's going to be goofy and zany and stuff because of the cartoon and stuff because and that's how they perceive it. No, it was dark. It was greedy. I mean, they took, yeah, they took the concept that April was a reporter, even though in the comics she was a lab assistant. Um, but I took that same concept, but they took a lot of it from the comics as well. And they do have the battle of Shredder, which, which of course in the comics they kill him. You know, they kill him like in the first two issues or something, like Leo kills Shredder. But here, you know, he gets thrown into a dumpster. <laughs> Zero garbage truck gets crushed or compacted. But the fighting in that film was great. You know, the scenes with, you know, Raph and Leo having that conflict and stuff. And, you know, Raph, you know, it's said he gets beat up at the foot. I like the film. You know, it's always one of the highest internal uh, films. Like I said, it was an independent film where, like I said, no one took a chance. And then decided, um, I think, F was it, um... Let's see, was it uh, New Line took a, a branch on it and at that time they were owned by Time Warner. Mm-hmm. And decided to front the money and hey, we'll release the film. And it, it was successful. And of course, you know, they're referencing here 2014, uh, the reboot. Uh, with, because with, uh, Vi- Michael yeah, with Michael, yeah, they did it <laughs> because remember, Viacom bought the turtle licensing, they bought the property from Mirage Studios. Mm. And, of course, Viacom, who's the parent company of Nickelodeon and all that, decided, you know what, and they own Paramount Studios. So they decided, you know what, let's do a reboot. Let's, like, bring the Turtles back into live action. Um, when people heard about that when they first announced it, they said, oh, it's great. 
you know, maybe we'll see like something similar to what happened in the early 90s, you know, you had the three films, maybe they'll have actors in suits or something, you know, but I think with technology, people are probably thinking, maybe we will do motion capture with the technology we have today, but of course, they decided to give the reins to, who guess, the guy who pretty much brought us Transformers, let's bring Michael Bay into it. And then, of course, make the turtles freaking bulk up. Make sure pretty much put them on steroids. They're they're all like seven feet something. Like yeah. They're just these tanks of of species. And in in true Michael Bay fashion, it's just an explosion, like, product placement, bull crap. And this is what their comment on it is: was the final battle focuses on exaggerated CGI and destruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that literally what it is. Just a bunch of CGI. And it's funny, like this, and, it, and funny enough, it generated enough for a sequel, which of course is what's called Out of Shadows. And introduced, you know, Bebop and Rocksteady for the first time, they get portrayed in a live action film, mm-hmm. and they brought Casey Jones, who was played by Stephen Amell. Green Arrow, guys, Green Arrow. <laughs> um, and of course, they had Krang make an appearance. And the funny thing was, with Krang was, you know, I thought he was they would have brought like. Pratt, um, Pat Fraley, who did the voice of Crane in the cartoon. They had, uh, what's his name, um, uh, Ray Burrell's brother, <laughs> Robert, doing the voice. Uh, Brad Garrett. Um, don't get me wrong, great actor, great voice actor, but it was funny hearing Brad Garrett coming out of Crane's mouth. I mean, and he brought Shredder back. I think what happened with this one, they kind of toned Shredder down in this second film. In the first film, he was like this big guy that wore a big ass suit. But I think in this one, it kind of made her made him more. Well, he should have been more martial arts, but at the same time, they had Karai in there for a little bit too. So it was kind of cool. They had Karai as well. Um, but I mean, and of course, the turtles in this one had like more personalities. Mm. Their personalities were more given out. I mean, that was kind of cool. Like each turtle had different looks, you know. But they had the color bandanas. But if you notice, like their suits were made of stuff they found on the street or something. But I mean, the CGI wasn't that bad, and I think what kind of too was, um, they got to travel to different places, <laughs> and then, of course, having be up and Rocksteady, like I said, uh, that was kind of cool having them, and it was kind of funny because they had, um, it was like Tyler Perry was in that film as well, yeah. he was like a scientist, and they had him in there, and basically, he, they, the, they go in the concept of a Korean mutagen and stuff, so... They need to be up in Rocksteady. So, like I said, it was, like, their first, like, portrayal in a live-action film. Um, but it was all right. I mean, it generated some money, but I guess it didn't have enough to do a third film. And now there's talks that they're about to do a reboot again, but I think they're thinking of just going back to the way it was, you know, back to the more of the comic-focused roots. Mm. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, number four would be A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, God. <laughs> of course, the original, 1984. Freddy's an iconic child murderer who mistalks and manipulates his victims, playing creative mind games with them before he kills them. This movie gave us nightmares. Definitely. And of course, they did a remake in 2010. And Freddy's a stupid-looking child murderer who's creepy but lacks wit, who rather hack and slash and play cat and mouse with his victims. This movie is a nightmare. Yeah, not good. It... It... Maybe if Rob Zombie took it over, it wouldn't be so much like that. But I was going to say it could have gotten the same Halloween-type treatment, but it didn't. It was just, like, completely not good. Just not scary. Not just not good. Like, it cracked. I can't say anything else. Cracked said it perfectly best. (laughs) (laughs) 
just not a night. It's, it's a yeah, nightmare. It's like you all can't really. Um, it's all the wrong reasons. You can't really outdo Robert England's portrayal of Freddy because I like for the fact. Yeah, it was supposed to be scary, but Freddy Krueger was hilarious. Like his mind games he played on his victims. It was like, and then the dialogue by Robert England, like you know. His portrayal of the character, he, I I don't picture anybody else playing that character besides Robert England. He he owns that character of Freddy, and he does so well. And it's funny too when the, the Goldbergs, you know, the TV show, they decided to bring him back for one more portrayal on, on an episode. Of the Goldbergs actually brought him back as Freddy Krueger, and he actually enjoyed it. Like he enjoyed it when they asked him, like, "Hey, can you come back and reprise your role as Freddy?" He loved it. And I remember seeing the promotional footage, like promotional picture. Teasing the episode, and it shows um, Beverly Goldberg and Freddy Krueger <laughs> next to each other, and he has the, the claw hands and everything, and I think Robert even put on Twitter saying, hey guys, check me out, you know, I'm going to be up guesting on the Goldbergs, and that was kind of cool, so like I said, I can't picture anybody else dotting that, you know, that, that, the claw hand, you know, the mat, the glove with the claws, it's like, of course, you got parody, like, in, um, what they did with, um, was it in The Simpsons when they did when Bart was having nightmares? They parodied Nightmare on Elm Street, and then of course with that one episode with Flanders having the hedge climbers. Um, and number three, um, they did. Wow, really? They're gonna attack this film, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Is that the Christmas movie? Yeah, it's Chris Kringle released Santa Claus. There's one in uh, 1947. It says here the post office delivers the mail address to Santa to Santa Claus to Mr. Kringle, so therefore he is legally Santa Claus. Dismiss. And this is what they said with the 94 remake. Because that was the one with Mara Wilson. Mm, that's right. It says, we can't prove God is real either and we still believe in it. And so therefore, Mr. Creole said, sure, why not? Case dismissed. What? That's what, that's what they said. What? Yeah. Oh my God. That's... What? I don't I don't. That's dumb. <laughs> so they basically made it for no reason. Here's number two. Power Rangers. Of course, the show came out in 93, which people don't realize. Um, the show was basically adapted from Super Sentai Zoo Ranger from Japan. Of course, Super Sentai series was around since the late 70s. Um, it was like uh, Sabine Entertainment. Like, they were trying to do a deal with Marvel and trying to create. Like, Marvel had a Spider-Man show in Japan. Mm. Um, they were trying to do something like that, but bring it to the American audiences. Um then, of course, they decided, yeah, let's bring the Super Sentai franchise to the U.S. But they decided, well, we'll take the, the fight scenes, mm-hmm. redub them, but decide to make an American version of this film one the Rangers were not in suits, and just make it to appeal to the 90s American demographic at that time, you know. And um, they decided, yeah, call, call them the Power Rangers, and pretty much, you know, when they were not in suits, they're, you know, they got these different kids. Um, yeah, I understand the diverse cast and everything on it. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was not bad. And, of course, the fighting styles. And it's kind of funny because they got the... On Verve right now, they have the original ones. The original um, Power Rangers. The Zoo Rangers. And they had that one season they adapted. And, of course, the other Ranger's a dude. Yeah. <laughs> Just to get you wrong. That, the only girl is the Pink Ranger, and that explains the skirt. But, yeah, it was... A, the people on the Yellow Ranger was a dude. But, of course, in this one, I guess they had to balance it out. And our girl just to balance out a demographic. Um, of course, Trini, I mean, come on. But um, yeah. I had a crush oh, on R.I.P. Trini. I had a crush on Trini, so. Yeah, she's cute. R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. <laughs> um, Thuy Trang, I mean, um, pretty much like, yeah, you can watch like the original on Verb. They have the original subtitle Power Rangers. I started watching the first two episodes. It was actually not bad. Like, they, they, it shows 
Um, of course, Rita Repulsa had a different name. So, of course, they changed the names for the characters. They had gold. I mean, I was, I was watching, like, she's, a, like, in the Japanese one, she's, like, a witch. That, of course, they, the... Um, of course, they, they took the caps off the moon, so some of the scenes were in their pirates, so they kept some of the Japanese scenes. But pretty much, um, there was no Zordon, so Zordon was created just for the show. Mm -hmm. And this is what the crack focused on. They focused on Zordon. Um, and here in 93, Zordon was a stoic space wizard. And of course, in 2017, when they did the film, because remember that Hasbro decided to reboot the Power Rangers and decided to do a film because they bought the franchise. Um, it called it Zoran as Grumpy Space Heisenberg. Grumpy Space. Because remember Brian Cranston played Zordon. Oh yeah, you, And you, then if you guys don't Rangers. remember the fun fact, because he even said when he was on, a, I forgot it was on Conan O'Brien or any late show that he was on. He mentioned he did voice work for Pirate Rangers. He actually did a dub for one of the characters, mm. for one of the villains. Please experience. For one of the villains, he did dub work for one of the villains. So he did mention that, yeah, he wasn't Power Rangers, but he did dub work. So he did voice acting before he did, you know, you know, real, like, like the live action acting, like stage yeah, acting, all that stuff. but it's, you're only as good as the direction and the writing of the script. Here we go. The number one, this is from Crack, and this is what they say, and the winner is, and they put a comment, congratulations to this user's name, you win money. <laughs> it says here, Superman the movie, the original story. Oh, yeah, okay. Is guided by his belief in the goodness of humanity, even reverses time to save as many people as he can. That was a great film. I mean, you had Marlon Brando as Jarrell. You know, of course, he only appears in the first few minutes because he's Superman's dad. You know, the fall of Krypton. So they adapted so much from like you know the comics. I mean, because you read a Superman. I mean, that was like the biggest superhero movie ever, and they put Superman on the map. And of course, you get Man of Steel. Don't get me wrong about Man of Steel. I mean, yeah, Chris Nolan producing, yeah, Zack Snyder. His first hand attack, I mean, it's something that you got to try, try to follow the same concept as Dark Knight, you know, because remember, it was coming off a few years or a few months or a year after Dark Knight Rises ended. Mm -hmm. So Chris Nolan did produce Man of Steel. They, he tried to help, you know, Zack to bring that kind of like that dark essence of it. Because it came out after? It came out a little after Yeah, Dark they could Knight have Rises. created a little universe right there. Uh, it says here, Never establishes a moral code and he kisses a girl he just met in the middle of the ruins of a major city. He's just destroyed with his recklessness. But I think in this one, it's just that they make, like, you know, Superman saying, yeah, he's chopped the bad guys, but at the same time, you know, sometimes it, he does do collateral damage. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, he kills Zod, but it's like, at what cost? Oh, I mean, they try to make him more human. If you think about it, even though he's Kryptonian, they try to make Superman more, like, human. Mm. But he's not. Yeah, so, and of course, that led us to Batman vs. Superman, and, of course, no, you know, all that. And, of course, we get to the train wreck, which is this league, which I have not seen. Or which, where I ever see it, I don't know. Wait, which one? The Justice League. Oh, don't. If you're, it's just, it's just as good as what you would think it would be watching Batman versus uh, Superman. It was just like, why? You don't know what's going on. Uh, a guy I used to work with uh, put it this way. He's like, dude, walking in, the only thing I remember are the characters... But the movie itself is just trash. He's like, nothing. You don't know what the heck is going on. It's, it's just too dark. You can't. It's just like it's all over the place. It doesn't have a cohesive story. It's just not good. And, and I hate to be that dude. Like that sounds like he's a Marvel fanboy, but they fucking suck, dude. They like, 
the DC movies suck. Like, it's just so weird to me. And and they did a terrible job in this one, you know? It's just, uh, it's just a crazy thing, you know? Just crazy movie, crazy, crazy movie. But I, I just, uh, but then I also don't like Superman, so I, that's just me. I hate to sound biased, but it's true. They're just not good. I mean... I don't know why they made it. So I this know. is what Crack.com said with the reboots. I mean, there's many reboots out there. Remember, um... Touch bases, you know, with they did a reboot of. I mean, when Spider Man, you know, he had the same Raimi films. Yeah. And of course, you know, he was um he was going to direct part four, which was going to introduce the Vulture, like to the point that we're going to have John Malkovich come out as the Vulture. They're going to bring in Black Cat and all that stuff in the mix. And of course, that fell through, and then Sony decided, you want know, to reboot Spider Man. Of course, they tried with Amazing Spider Man. Oh yeah. They brought in Mark Webb to uh, direct the. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man. And they try hard. I mean, they, they were able to do a sequel, which to me, honestly, you know, you had Jamie Foxx as Electro. Paul Giamatti as Rhino, even though he hardly made an appearance that much. You know, mm-hmm. in the beginning. Those weren't good either. Yeah. I mean, and of course, you know, that's and you know what happened in those two films. Marvel came in. They jumped the gun and said, hey, if you want, we'll help you guys out. Sony should just not do movies. <laughs> in general. So, and here's a list of revival series. I mean, this is from Insider.com. So, this is uh, 20, 31 reboots, remakes, and spinoffs that supposedly are in the works. This is uh, according to Insider.com. Um, this is the articles from 2019. So, this is from last year, guys. Um, the number one on the list, Animaniacs for Hulu. Um, pretty much, you know, it's going to premiere later this year. Because I think last year, I think Rob Paulson shared a thing on Twitter. They showed a picture of him and the cast. They're getting ready to go into their sessions, their voice sessions. And it's pretty much a reboot anime. Next cartoon aired for five seasons in the 90s on WB. Uh, basically, they give a description. It says the cartoon will once again follow the misadventures of you know, Yakko, Wacko, and Da, who live in a Warner Brothers lot. Steven Spielberg will return as executive producer, so he's going to have a hands-on approach like he did with the first time. Like his studio's hopping it out. Like His studio's producing it. Who's financing it? So it's probably gonna be Steven Spielberg again presents Animaniacs. So I don't know Warner Bros is gonna help as well. But as I mean, I'm looking forward. This is a revival I'm looking forward to because number one, they bring the original cast. But they said they said it's gonna tackle like the current issues, like how will the Warner Warners deal with you know the ninety like current change. So I won't be surprised they make it fun of Trump in this one. Because remember, the MAS cartoons took a lot of like political satire as well. They, they, they make fun of like you know, the 90s at that time. Because think about it, it was like a social commentary in the 90s. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm looking forward to see how they tackle you know, the digital age, you know, internet and all that stuff. So that's something I'm looking forward to. That's something, you know, at the time they pushed the envelope because it's like, yeah, I mean, it was supposed to be for kids, but more adults were watching it at that time. So it was one of those like, Shows where, you know, like cartoons, like, you know, it was for kids, but it had, like, a lot of adult humor. Yeah. And I love it. Like, it happened on Hulu right now. You can watch the original on Hulu. And that's, I'm looking forward to seeing when that comes out. They haven't set a date for it, but it's coming out this year. It's going to get canceled. Frasier! Wait, they're going to reboot Frasier? Revive it. Oh, hell yeah. Premier date, it says it right now, they're currently only talks about bringing it, the show back. Of course, remember, Frasier ran for 11 seasons. Wow, 11 seasons. Yes, yeah, it was a great show. And it says here, Kelsey Grammer said, this is what he said right now. 
Kelsey Grammer told the press, uh, press association in August 2018 that he discussed the idea of bringing his character back to television, but he's not sure what, why he wants to do it. When uh, not sure he wants to do it, so he's thinking about it. Mm. But I think if he does do it, I have not seen Frasier. Is it on Hulu, I believe, or is it on Netflix? It is on Netflix. I, as of, yeah, it's definitely on Netflix. I mean, if so they I have him, they they're gonna have to bring David High Pierce back. Yeah. I mean, the only one they can't bring back is the dad. Nigel. Yeah, R.P. passed away last year. But if they had the dog, it'd be kind of hilarious. Oh, the dog. The looking dog. But I'm thinking we're here with Frazier. I mean, he was like a therapist, like a doctor, right? Like a psychologist or something. He's a psychologist. He's uh, the character that was in. in he was Frazier and uh, Incline in, in uh, Cheers. He was Fisher there for like three to four seasons. Or Fisher Crane. I'm sorry. Uh, in, in, in Cheers he was a recurring character so I'm thinking if they do this he should have him do like a podcast like have him as a podcaster like Fraser Crane's a podcaster yeah it'd be funny even though his radio show was popular anyways but yeah that'd be great like he he goes into the world podcasting and just had different like you know clients on there Howard Stern come out yeah, yeah that'd be cool I like I could see it like that that shows it more easily of a transition into the Sage but I can see maybe why he's a little reluctant to do it cause it's also like why? They did 11 seasons of this show. It's like if they want to bring Seinfeld back. It's like nobody wants to see Kramer anymore. <laughs> like, nah, we're good. I just... I, it'd be cool if it, have, if, it, if it happens. If not, I'm just going to rewatch Frasier again. No sense. So I'm cool with either one. Okay, so next one on the list. Um, sister, Sister. Oh, uh, Tia, Tamara, Tabari. Yeah, it says here the show uh, seriously aired on ABC before it was cancer and moved over to the CW. Uh, the right now it says Premier Day in Talks, uh, it's going to be a reboot. Reboot Sister Show, which aired for six seasons across ABC and CW. Basically, it was about twins who grew up apart and started spending time together after a chance running. Jack A. Harry, who starred as the mom in the original show, told yeah, yeah. Harvey in January a reboot was happening. Mm. Um, I've never seen that show. I mean, right. I mean, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with the twins thing. I'm assuming they're going to do something with twins. I'm thinking if they want to have any ties to the old show, they should bring one of the Bari sisters in there. Yeah. That'd be if kind she of... she had kids or something. Yeah, if one of them had kids, you know? Twins obviously have a higher chance of producing more twins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, we'll see how it goes. Um, Elf? Really? Hmm. They're going to bring back Elf? What? Elf ran for four seasons from 1986 to 1990. Um, says premiere date in early stages of Warner Brothers Television. Um, the reboot of the 80s show Elf, which starred an extraterrestrial who lived in the middle class family, who lived with a middle class family on Earth. Um, this is what they say right now. It's not clear whether or not a new series will follow the same alien or a different one. According to TV and line, Warner Brothers is searching for a writer for the reboot. Oh, God. I mean, that show at the time, you know, yeah, I mean, Elf was hilarious, you know. Yeah, like, how you build a puppet around people. It's like, you know... I mean, the actor played Elf. Um, I heard that, you know, sometimes he was, like, hard to work with on set. And, you know, the actor portraying Elf, the character. Uh, I remember in the early seasons, they had, like, uh, when Elf was, like, walking around, they usually have, like, a stand, like, a midget, like, a little person to like, stand in. Mm-hmm. Wearing the suit for the early seasons that would have him move around. But then, after that, they decided to start building, like... Um, I guess in the set, and even the actors who were on that show said it was kind of hard because they had to figure out where they don't. Because what they did was the the set itself, the way they had to, they had to build a race set with different trap doors. So when Elf has to be appear in certain spots, 
the trap doors there, but sometimes they're, they said the actors sometimes when they're rehearsing stuff, they almost stepped into those trap doors mm. on accident. And of course, you know, if you guys saw the Alf throughout this run, I remember they had this finale where Alf was captured by the government mm. at the end. And of course, so they decided to do a TV movie because they ended on a cliffhanger. Because it got canceled after that, and they never explained why. And I think like a month, a year or two later, they decided to do a TV movie explaining a little bit what happened. Mm. So we'll, we'll see. Um, Designing Women. Okay. Um, oh, they're bring that back. This is, I know that show's on Hulu, I believe. They brought that show on Hulu. It says Dixie Carter and Potts, who remember from, you know, Ghostbusters. Um, Michelle Taylor and Gene Smart were among the women who starred on the show. It says, Premiere to be determined, curling in early stages of development. It's a with a 90 sitcom design room. The original show followed four women working at a design firm in Atlanta, Georgia. The original creator, Linda Bloodworth Thomason, will be working on the show according to deadline. So the original creator will be working on it, but that there's no timetable when it'll be coming out. Um, Lizzie McGuire, the revival. It's coming out of Disney Plus. I know right now, recently, um, right now it says you'll be termed likely something 2020 since filming hasn't started. Um, Disney Channel series Lizzie McGuire, Lily Dove is set to reprise her role as the lead star, but the character will be 30 years old, living in New York City. There are not too many details yet, but Dove recently said that Lizzie will be an apprentice for an interior designer engaged to a chef. Hmm. But right now, I think with the based on the news right now that happened recently, uh, the showrunner left due to creative differences. And then right now, the show's currently hiatus right now was I think because Henry uh, Dubrovsky got married, so she's uh, on her honeymoon phase right now. So we'll see when she comes back. I know they brought back the actors who play her family hmm. on the show. I think they brought back the actor who played Gordo. But they haven't announced the other character who played her friend, her female friend yet. If she probably won't come back. No, I think we'll see what happens with that one. But right now, I heard the show's currently hiatus right now until they get a new showrunner. Maybe I don't know. Um, Bewitched. Apparently, they're working at a revival or a reboot. To determine, says reboot of ABC sitcom Maybe Witch, which starred, which aired from ABC from 1964 to 1972, starring Elizabeth Montgomery as a witch, Samantha. Right now, what they're going to do is, it says here, according to the, like what the promotional stuff is, like the pitch, um, the new take on the classic will feature an interracial family with a young black single mom who's also a witch, who marries a mortal. The show is from blackish creator Kenya Barris. And writer producer Yamato Taylor. So that'd be kind of interesting. Oh, okay. Maybe it will be good. Um, of course, um, Star Wars: The Clone Wars is coming back for another season. It's gonna be on Disney yeah, Plus. Yeah. It's a revival. So it's Disney surprise fans at San Diego Comic Con in July when announced that 12 new episodes of the beloved animated series will be released in the company's upcoming streaming services. And plus, the show was canceled in 2013 after Disney purchased Lucasfilm the year prior. Mm. So I think what this is probably gonna um, lead into. Um, Episode 3. Because hmm. I think that's what it is just to close the gap. It's based on the screenshot. Look at the screenshot. Doesn't it look... Don't they look almost like their episode 3 uh, parts? Oh, shit. Dude, that looks great. Looks pretty similar. I mean, the, the shading's different, but... on The the, the shading and the, the light within the environment. But if you look, they almost look like their season... It like looks like, three a, like a parts, nice yeah. boosted look to what it used to be. Mm-hmm. It looks good. I'm excited. So, I mean, I'm already excited for it anyways. Because um, it's an excellent show, but fuck it. That looks good. Um, right now, Freeform, okay, Party of Five. I heard about Freeform is doing it. Um, basically, it's a reboot. 
which are on Fox for six seasons. According to Free Form, the show will be a modern reimaging of the original show, which started Matthew Fox and have Campbell, Lizzie Charbert, mm. and Scott Wolf. <laughs> wow. So we'll see how that works. Um, uh, looks like Conan the Barbarian they are going to do a, a, re- a reboot, but Amazon's funding it. Oh, really? It says, what's about the show will focus on the books. So it's going to fall more in the books, uh, which follow Conan as he travels the world search for his place within. Colony co-creator Ryan Condell and Game of Thrones director Miguel Sapochnik are working on it. Hmm. The Jetsons? ABC? They're on what? It's a spinoff of the anime Jetsons card. It's good. It says the... What? It's going to be on ABC? No way. It says the series will be a live-action version of this classic animated series... Send the future will be filmed in front of a live audience. It will be executive produced by Robert Zemeckis, who, of course, you remember, directed Back to the Future and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So they're going to make it like like those old school sitcoms. But with, uh, in the front of a live audience, so it's kind of interesting. Hmm. We'll see how it go. <laughs> and someone in the comments says, in the comments it puts, says, we don't, if we don't get a live action Rosie, we're out. <laughs> um... MTV, uh, Daria and Jody. That's a reboot of MTV's 90s show Daria, which ran for five seasons. Basically, mm. the show revolved around the yeah. body character Daria Morgendorfer and her friend Jody Lennon talk, taking on the world today. It may not air on MTV. What? So, it, who knows? The same possibly they're producing it, but who knows? Maybe it'll go on Hulu or probably like another streaming service. Well, that's cool. I mean, I think Dario's on Hulu right now still. I think it's the only one MTV shows, one of the MTV shows on this on the streaming search right now. Sweet. I, I like Dario a lot. It's a good show. Rugrats. I heard about there were talks and Nick Lane was going to you know, bring back the characters, like reboot. Um, Right now, I'm seeing right now, Dating to be Determined, reboot Nick Lane's hit 90 series Rugrats. In July, Paramount announced the popular Nickelodeon cartoon free series featuring Time Pickles and Angelica where we get 26 episode reboot. A movie is planned for 2020. Hmm. But I'm thinking what they're going to do is hopefully they'll bring the, the same character concepts mm-hmm. but it, it, with a more like modern twist. Sweet. Like how do like Stu and Dee Dee like now you know how she always had those Dr. Doc, Lipschitz books. Well they're going to definitely be older right? They're going to I mean I, I'm assuming it's I don't know if they're going to be babies again. Mm-hmm. Remember, they try to do it when they're grown up. They oh, I mean, like, up. in the sense that, like, they're older and they probably had kids. Mm-hmm. So maybe their kids are going to be, like, the babies. And they're, like, the adults or something. Yeah. I, that'd be kind of cool. Like, Tommy's kids, you know? Yeah. It'd be Tommy, like, having kids. Like, a joke, of course, like, she. I'm assuming she's going to work for her mom. She's going to work for her mom at the company she did her mom worked at. Like, we'll see. I mean, there's no, um, so the movie's also planned, too, as well. Mm. I wonder if they're going to do the movie to introduce the series. Oh, well, if they're going to do that. Mm. Supermarket Sweep? Hmm. Oh, the con. It's a game show? Game show, yeah. What was about a game show that has pairs compete to run around a supermarket at a time, scavenger hunt to hunt to five particular grocery items to win a grand prize? It was first announced in October 2017, and Leslie Jones of Saturday Night Live was recently revealed to be the host. Really? Hmm, that that's kind of cool. Fun. Interesting. Uh. The many, the many Saints of Newark, was a spinoff of The Sopranos. What's it about? The movie will be a prequel to the HBO series set during the Newark riots that took place in the sixties. Sweet, that sounds cool. Hmm. I want to watch it. Sopranos is an excellent show. So okay, it, it looks like Netflix is a uh, Babysitters Club. 
the uh, movie? It's a revival, movie. I guess. Uh, oh, it's God. a revival of the Babysitter's Club, a TV show turned movie based on the off the books by Ann Martin. The series will be based on the books, which will follow five adolescent girls as they start their own babysitting business and grapple with issues facing modern teens. It says Alicia Silverstone will reportedly start in the revival. Wow. Hey, look at that. She's back. That'd be cool. I haven't seen her in something. In uh, Penny Dreadful, City of Angels. Mm. It's a reboot of Penny Dreadful. The reboot moves the action of the previous series, which was canceled three seasons from Victorian London to 1930s Los Angeles. Hence the title. The setting of the reboot is a steep into Mexican-American folklore and social tension and will focus on a cast of characters, some of whom are connected to the powerful deities like Santa Muerte or the Devil. Hmm. Hmm. That should be interesting. High Fidelity? Hulu's gonna do a revival of it? It's a remake. Yeah. The film will be made into a TV series for Hulu. It will feature Zoe Kravitz as a record store owner who's obsessed with pop culture and music. Mm-hmm. Kravitz's mom, Lisa Bonet, starred in the original, which featured John Cusack as the record store owner. So now it's like... Good movie. So she will be... She's going to be uh, taking over owner. her mom's role. Interesting. Amazing Stories, Apple Plus. Steven Spielberg created Amazing Stories originally aired in the 1990s. It's a reboot of Amazing Stories, which year from 1985-1987. Much like the original reboot, it feature horror, fantasy, sci-fi tales, but directed by some of Hollywood's biggest directors. So it's going to be probably like an anthology series. But it's going to be on Apple+. Plus. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nash Bridges? Really? Revival of Nash Bridges, 1996-2001. The original show focused on Inspector Nash Bridges, who worked in the San Francisco Police Department's special investigation units, along with his partner, Joe Dominguez. Even though the revival still seems to be a ways off, is it likely to contain similar themes? Mm. The people don't remember Cheech Marin was his partner. Yes. So you had uh, Don Johnson, who you remember from Miami Vice, and Cheech. Man, it's like, <laughs> I mean, that show was, that was from 1996 2001. That's, well. I mean, Northern Exposure. Northern Exposure. Northern Exposure. Revival of Lawrence Bridge in 1995. The revival is a continuation of the original show, which will see Dr. Joshua Fleischman, a protagonist, and Lawrence Bridge return to Alaska for a funeral. I wonder if they're going to bring the original actor. Who knows? Gossip Girl? HBO Max? They're going to remake that? It's a reboot, I'm guessing. They're going to reboot it? So they're just going to make a whole new Gossip Girl? It says... This show's not even... It, it says here... Uh, not even 10 years old, is it? It says here the reboot... Will pick up eight years after the events of the original series. Will follow a new generation of New York private school teens as they are introduced to the social surveillance of Gossip Girl, according to the official summary for the series. Expect plenty of commentary about the effects of social media on teen life. Mm. So it's taking the concept, but it's going to be focused on a new set of people. Well, that's good. Grease, Rydell High. This is for the HBO Max service. Remember, HBO Max is coming out later this year. So this is probably the shows are making for the the service, the streaming mm. service. Greece, Haridel High. Uh, to be determined, likely spring 2020, which HBO Max officially launches, is a reboot of Greece. Um, per Entertainment Weekly, the Greece reboot would show rematches the global smash hit movie with some characters you already know. A whole lot more you'll soon meet, and is set in around the world by Dow High. The setting for most of the original 1978 film, the show will focus on the peer pressures of high school and the horrors of puberty, and will still be set in the 1950s. So at least they're gonna keep that 1950s setting. Hmm. Dune, The Sisterhood, HBO Max. The Dune. Oh, Dune? Sting was the in the books? original movie? What the? The books? Sequel to Dune, 1984, an upcoming 2020 film. Yeah. 
With the remake of the 1984 film based on Frank Herbert's 1965 novel coming out next, well, this year, um, HBO Max's new series is designed to coexist with the upcoming film, according to Deadline. But where the new film portrayed the efforts of Paul Atreides to maintain his family's control over the planet Arrakis, the new series will focus on an enigmatic order of women. The Ben Gris. Bene Grisrit, who served as trusted advisors and companions to many in the Dune universe. So it's going to take place in the same setting. Hmm. Hmm. Boondocks, HBO Max. Yeah, hell yeah. And it's going to be a reboot of the Boondocks, which ran from 2005 to 2014. The new show will be a continuation of the original series. Hell yeah. And it will focus on Robert, Grandad Freeman, and his two grandsons and move to a new community. Oh, man, it's going to be hard with John, uh, John Witherspoon, man. Yeah, man. Uh, hopefully he was Very able to record different. dialogue before he passed. That's going to be... Hard to cast him. Which sucks, because... He was awesome, man. It's like, uh have to wait and see how they... I don't know if he was able to film. So I think he was doing stand-up before he passed away, too, as well. Hmm. But we'll see how they tackle that. Practical Magic. Hmm. Cedric Cedra Bullock and Nicole Hoffman star in 1988's Practical Magic. Hmm. This is for HBO Max. According to Vogue Australia, the new series will be a prequel to the beloved 1998 film. It will focus on three siblings as they realize they're actually descended from witches. Hmm. So it'll be like a prequel. Hmm. Gremlins! Secrets of the Mogwai, HBO Max. Uh, it's a prequel to Gremlins. So the animated prequel... Okay, so it's animated. So the animated prequel will focus on the origins of the shopkeeper, Mr. Wing, who was featured in both the original movie and a 1990 sequel. So basically, it's probably how he got the, the characters. Like, probably how he got the Mogwai. Mm. Clueless! CBS Studios. What? There's so there's a reboot one. of Clueless, the film I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. The reboot will focus on the character of Dion, played by Stacey Dash in the original film, after her best friend and right woman share, famously portrayed by Alicia Soft, the film mysteriously disappears. Um, Deadline report that the new show is like if Mean Girls meets Riverdale meets a Lizzo music video and described as a baby pink and bisexual blue tinted tiny sunglass wearing oat milk latte and Adderall filled look at the high school life in 2020. Mm. So I'll be pretty much taking place today. Okay. Alright. I mean, I guess. Pucky Brewster. NBC Universal or Peacock Service. Um, Revival Pucky Brewster which ran from 1984 to 1986. So Revival will see Soleil Moon Fry reprise her role as Punky, who's now a grown-up single mother with several children. Freddie Prince Jr. will also appear in the Revival playing the recurring role of Punky's ex-husband, Travis. <laughs> of course, I mentioned Lizzie McGuire again. Okay. The Staircase. The Staircase. Harrison Ford will reportedly star in the upcoming remake of the 2004 docuseries pursuing the trial of novelist Michael Peterson accused of murdering his wife in 2001. The author said his wife died to falling down a staircase, but authorities suspected it was a cover-up. <coughs> and that Peterson himself actually killed her staging the like an accident. Yeah. Hmm. And that's what, it, that's what I got. <sighs> that's what they're planning, but if you want to talk about ones that are out now, um, there's... Fuller House, which, I mean, it's not a bad show. I mean, it's on Netflix. I think they just released the first part of the final season, and the second part's coming out later this year. Well, season, last season. Um, yeah, they try to make it... I mean, it was kind of cool having, you know, Stephanie, DJ, and now Kimmy Gibbler as being the main trio. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, in the original, you had Joey, Jesse, and Danny. And, you know, it's them helping out, you know... 
DJ raised her her three her three um boys after you know the death of their dad, who was a firefighter. So it's kind of mm. and she runs a vet clinic, so it's kind of cool. Um, and then of course she had Kimmy Gilbert doing the wedding planning service, like party service. Party planning service. He had DJ. I mean Stephanie, who was like a she was a DJ and she liked to party around. Oh yeah. And of course, you know they didn't have Michelle, but I mean it was kind of hard because I mean the Olsen twins are no longer acting. They're pretty much you know I think it was kind of hard to get them in there because. They're pretty much acting. They're not acting anymore. They're more on like the uh, fashion design right now. So it's kind of hard to bring them in. But that's kind of hard. it's kind of interesting how they throw subtle jokes, and then you know they do mention the character, saying that she's not there. And I kind of like Fred. They brought back Steve, <laughs> Scott Wagner, of course Aladdin. <laughs> People don't realize Aladdin. <laughs> Remember, guys, Aladdin was DJ's boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know they tried that Roseanne. Remember when they tried to uh, bring back, they brought back Roseanne and you saw what happened. You know, first season wasn't bad, but of course, you know, Roseanne did, you know, Roseanne being Roseanne decided to uh, make comments. And of course, you know, they decided to write her off. Damn. They fired her from the show and pretty much they rebranded it as the Connors. They pretty much killed off the character. Yeah. And they pretty much carried on. And so far, I think they started like another season already. A full, a full house? Of the Connors? Oh, the Connors? Yeah, it's still going good, but it's not the same. Roseanne was literally the whole point of the show, and I don't understand. Like, a lot of these... That's my gripe with a lot of these things, is that they're just trying to make fetch happen, and it's just not going to work. I don't I don't see Fuller House. I didn't see... I saw Roseanne when she was still on there, and so Disney just threw her out for a couple of crazy tweets that she texted out, which, obviously, I don't agree with the words that were said. But she was also on a crazy ambient alcohol-infused or uh, fucking drug psychosis. And ambient is some tough shit. It's some tough shit. So, like, you can do some crazy shit you'll not remember. I mean, but she was on, on, like, on Joe Rogan and she talked about that yeah, whole thing. Yeah, but if people aren't willing to hear somebody out, which is the problem that we're in right now, then it is what it is. Um, but, I don't know, a lot of the, like, those sitcom type of shows that are getting brought back, like, I know Will and Grace was brought back... That one, uh, Murphy Brown. One day at a time is always getting made, and then they cancel it. And then, then I think Pop Network picked it up for another yeah. season because it was on Netflix, and, and it was then, doing fine. And then I guess Netflix, you know, like Netflix has that whole. They just cut them off like it's not. And then I think Pop Network is bringing it back for another season. So, then you had uh, Murphy Brown. CBS brought back Murphy Brown, but to me it was like, I don't know what's up. I mean, it was cool seeing Candace Bergen, but it's like. If they would have brought back Murphy Brown, they should have brought back, like, a few, like, now, I mean, I don't know if it was one of those years too late. Mm. It would have been awesome if they brought Cheers back. Oh, really? But it's, like, it's kind of hard. It's, like, when they do, like, when Hollywood decides to do sequels to long movies, like, remember when they tried to Dumb and Dumber? It was, like, so many years too late. <laughs> or, like I said, it, like, I know there were talks of possibly bringing The Office back, like, a reboot. But it's like, I don't, I don't think it's going to be in discussion. I mean, there were discussions, early discussions, but I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Because it's like, you're basically, like, it's basically you're running out of ideas. And you want to flip the script, basically. Hmm. But the, I, like the, I like the whole understanding, like, hey, let's, this idea was good back then. Let's try bringing it back. But then you watch. I like for the fact when they decided to do, was it last year when they did, like, uh, live in front of a studio audience, they did the On the Family and uh, the Jeffersons. Yeah. Um. They did like a updated like that. Well, kind of like a reenactment. But it was kind of cool because they had like the you know actors of today playing the characters. 
Mm-hmm. And I kind of like for a fun one, they did Jefferson's part. They had uh, they brought back Marla Gibbs as uh, Florence, <laughs> as the maid Florence when she was very trying out. And yeah, I heard this year they're gonna do all the family again, and they're gonna do good times. They did announce that they're gonna do it because I guess what the positive reaction they got. Um, I think that's on Hulu. If you guys ever check it out, check it out because you had Woody Harrelson, Marissa Tomei, as uh, Archie and um, uh, Edith Bunker. That was kind of hilarious. Yeah, Jimmy Fox is George Jefferson. <laughs> yeah, Ike Barinholtz is Meathead. <laughs> that was a good show. I mean, it was kind of cool seeing Mary Harrison as Archie Booker. I could see him play that character. It was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, they did announce the Jefferson part as well. Yeah, Jamie Foxx in there as well. Um, they did announce, like I said, they're going to do a live in front of the studio once again. But they're going to do it with uh, all the family and good times. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see who they're going to get for good times for that like, reenactment, like portrayal. Oh, that's pretty cool. But, I mean, there's some things, yeah, you could do, like, one time only, but it's, like, um, it's, like, I'm, I mean, there's some reboots that work and some they don't. But it depends on the audience they're trying to pander to. Yeah, you're trying to pander to the nostalgias. Um, right now, like, the CBS has a uh, thing they did, uh, let's see. Right now, they have MacGyver going on right now still. It's still on the CBS. They did a reboot of that. They got that one actor who was uh, Lucas Till. Oh, really? They got him playing the character. They have, uh, of course, they brought back Relation Development. Yeah. When they brought it back on Netflix, Which Netflix decided to brought it back. They had to fix that, that, that season, that, the first original revamp season. They had to fix it because that was just not really good. But I'm glad to see that they, they gave it another And then challenge. they tried 90210. They tried to bring that back. And then, of course, recently they tried to do that one. Where they brought it back, but it was like it was the the people who portrayed the characters, but mostly an exaggeration of the the actors themselves. Yeah. But of course, you know they could do it without Luke Perry because you know rest in peace, Luke Perry. Um. And they tried to do Heroes Reborn, I guess on NBC. Tried to do that after the success of Heroes that ran from two thousand six to two thousand ten. I found the best to worst. Um, they did V. Mm. Yeah, forty six percent. The original show was on eighty five. Wow. Remember they brought back Prison Break? Did it really? Yeah, they brought it back for like one year. Oh, yeah, it was like a special. Right? Yeah. Dynasty is still going on? Really? Oh. Damn. 2017, the CW? About oh. Dallas. Is Dallas still going on? Uh, so they brought because back I know the original series was 81 to 89. Right now it says... Right now it's got a 50... The critics gave it a 53%, but the audience scored an 85. Mm-hmm. It says the, try, the Trying Too Hard Dynasty reboot the CW is a show that doesn't deliver the series term in the original. I remember they did do Dallas for a while. Yeah. Was that like a TNT or something? Mm-hmm. And they, well, was, finally the thing was, they had Larry Hagman on there for a little bit. They brought him back. Hmm. Before he passed away, he was on there for a while. Uh, he was, he betrayed him, his character. I remember everyone hated him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they had Roswell in New Mexico. Remember that show, Roswell? Roswell. Oh, it, it have it on the, yeah, I heard it got, re, it got, um, it got renewed for another season. Man, all these shows. No, Roswell was that, but that was the one that. And then Twenty Four Legacy, they tried doing Twenty Four Legacy. Twenty Four Legacy. I think that show got shelved. Of course, American Idol got moved from. From Fox to, ABC. And then they brought back Lost in Space. And that's on Netflix. I haven't seen it yet, but I heard it's pretty decent. And apparently, Charm got. You know how they did a reboot of Charm. Charm. Oh, the witches one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They brought it back. I think they brought it back for our season. 
Hmm. Oh, it ran from 98 to 2006. Wow. Yeah, for a while. And then remember they brought the X-Files back for a couple seasons? Yeah. They brought back David Duchovny and Julian Anderson. And then, you know, they got Twilight Zone. Jordan, Jordan Peele produces it. They're doing another season. Yes, I hope it's going to be good. Of course, you mentioned Will and Grace. Yeah. Here you go. Dallas, it ran from 20, 2012 to 2014. Hmm. It ran for like two years. Oh, the newer one? Yeah, it ran for like two years. Because it's just, that's, that. now that's my gripe with all these reboots that we're going to be seeing is that they're trying to, they're trying to reach a, they're trying to reach a demographic that is unreachable because it's, these kids don't care about these shows because they didn't really grow up with it. Streaming is something that's taken over their, their entertainment so it's saturated. Our entertainment's saturated with so much content that sitcoms the sitcom is not I'm not saying it's dead but it's just like old old style type of of content that like nobody really wants to stick around for because we have so much things that are like you can go on to all these streaming platforms and get it right away and then you got you got demographics that they're trying to sell to that it's not going to work if they didn't grow up with that show the first time like the 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 odds of your exposure as a child to shows like this were very high because we only had a few channels broadcasting stuff we didn't have this we didn't have seven eight string servers with low with what thousands millions of things that you can millions of hours of, of streaming that you could possibly do and you're jumping around with kind of content and Honestly, some people just watch things that are trending. They don't really go to deep, deep to watch stuff that they might be curious about. A lot of people just go with the flow, and it sucks, but it is what it is. And now that the the Pandora's box is open, it's all about the content wars, about what stands the market. It's just what stays, and a lot, we're going to see a lot of these shows get rebooted, but... It's chances are staying very slim. I mean, I think the ones that are specifically put on Netflix and stuff, like that that Netflix original that remakes it, I think they gives them a better chance. Like obviously, uh, we mentioned Full House. It's still I mean, going. And then you have like shows like that, like, like Star Trek Discovery right now that's on CBS. Right, but access. what I mean is like. Oh, like Gilmore Girls? They brought that back yeah, for... Yeah, but Netflix, right? Netflix brought that. Like, the, the three behind shows, Netflix, Hulu, and Prime, and Disney Plus thrown in there now. But, like, those those are the, the new stations. The new stations that give you that content. And nobody's going to be paying for cable. No team pays for cable. Nobody wants that. Unless you have a, a certain niche thing you're looking for, it's not going to happen. So, like, that's why a lot of those shows are getting the one and dones again. Because it's like, I'm surprised the Connors are still going. Like, I'm, I'm sure it's decent it's helping some people, but it's like Roseanne made that show. But we also grew up with the original, and we related to it so much, so it's like, nah, we're good. Yeah, like, now, like, Veronica Mars was on Hulu, and then Queer Eye. I mean, there's a lot of Twin yeah, Peaks. Yeah. I guess we Twin Peaks return on Showtime. I mean, there's... The Tick, they brought the Tick back on, on Amazon, they did a live action version. Oh, Battlestar yeah. Galactica, remember the original, they brought it back on Sci-Fi, of course a lot of people remember the, the, the Sci-Fi version. Um, of course you mentioned One Day at a Time, which was cool because it was like a Latin American you know, cast, you had Rita really Moreno, good. man, come on, she was on West Side Story. Yeah. She was the first Latin American actress to win an like, Oscar. Yeah, it was great. Like, she set the tone for us, it's like, come on, she was like... Shut her out, and then we're doing. And then Samurai right. Jack, they when they brought Jenny Tartakovsky came back, and the adults were approaching him to bring back Samurai Jack to wrap up. Basically, it was a way to close out 
basically to find a way to close out the, the lasting moments of that show because that show ran from like 2001 2004 but never got an ending so to have Janeni Trevorkowski who you know drew um create Dexter's Laboratory to have him come back and bring back Phil Lamar as Samurai Jack as Jack and just to get that closure to that series I have not seen the new season hopefully they put it on Hulu or Netflix um I would love to see the series like the final like they, they call it the final season because you know it was like a way to wrap up the thing and of course I mean it happens in anime too because um you know I grew up watching the original Sailor Moon and then they did like uh, Sailor Moon Crystal which is kind of like it was more adapted towards the the shoujo manga, so it was cool. They announced, "Oh, Sailor Moon is coming back for like another like they did a reboot of Sailor Moon, but they did like Crystal." So pretty much, you know, but the look was more like they adapted the look more off the off the manga. Even though like Toei animation still done still done, and a lot of people remember. And of course, they when they announced Sailor Moon, they're going to do a new dub. I mean, I kind of missed the original dub because, you know, Deke Entertainment was the one that brought the Sailor Moon to the U.S. back in the 90s. And, of course, they got the new dub right now on Hulu for Sailor Moon, for the original Sailor Moon from the 90s. But they did Sailor Moon Crystal. And then there's this anime called Fruits Baskets, which came out in 2001. Basically, it was a shoujo manga. If I was a girl who ends up um, living with a... These deities who become human when she gave them a hug or a kiss, when she shows any affection to become human, mm-hmm. or they turn back to animals, and they decide to do a reboot of that series. So they did a, a reboot of the of the series of the anime based on the manga. They did a reboot of the of the anime, and a lot of people actually received it pretty well. Or like Akira Toriyama decided to go back into Dragon Ball. I mean, he ended that series after the Majin Buu saga. He ended it. That was it. So they did. That's why he ended it that way. He ended. He ended it. But the problem was, you know, Toei put pressure on him. Like, hey, we want to do a follow up. Of course, we got the thing that was called Dragon Ball GT, which to me, pretty much Toriyama had no involvement. They just did like Toei's animation. Just took the concept and made their own way, introducing the Black Star Dragon Balls. Pretty much turned Goku back to a kid. You know, followed Trunks and you know, and Pan, who was um. Um, Gohan and Videl's daughter um, but of course Toriyama had that itch and they brought him back and they decided to Dragon Ball Super but at first they did the two films were like the follow ups to Dragon Ball Z you know they did all right, um, Battle of the Gods and uh, Resurrection F of course those two um, storylines are in the Dragon Ball Super series so they mentioned it pretty well detailed but Dragon Ball Super was like he brought it back and it became like Toriyama got involved again it was more like a true sequel to Dragon Ball so it was like he went back to it, but at least here, like, he was more involved with it to the point he started writing the manga. But he's not drawing it, but he's writing it, but he's giving it off to his assistant. He's drawing the manga right now. And I gotta watch Dragon Ball Super, which, you know, honestly, right? it was a true sequel to Dragon Ball. I mean, you saw Resurrection F, and I know you enjoyed it when they brought back Frieza. Yeah, that shit was dope. That was hilarious when they have one part where he's in the, the cutesy world. They have in the cutesy world. But I'm, Beers I'm, is hilarious. That got Beers. I'm a Vegeta stan, so, like, I'm always gonna have a sweet spot for Dragon Ball Z. So, yeah, I mean, it, it happens in, like, things. And, like I said, um, I would say, you know... It's like, like I said, there's sometimes where reboots are good and revivals are good, but sometimes it's like, there's ones that, you know what, don't fix it. You know, leave it alone. I mean, if up to me, what show, like, Biko, what show would you love to see come back, like, revive or reboot it that do you think will work in today's world? If you take any show that was, you know, that was great back in the day, but bring it back, 
you know, for this today's times, what show would that be? Like, what do you think? What show that would work? Let's say, uh, we'll say live action. I want to say like live action. You do live action uh, animated, whatever you want to. Live action. Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> I, cause I love the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Uh, one of my favorite shows growing up ever. That or the, uh, yeah. That. I'm surprised on the list they didn't mention the Three Stooges. That was awful. But uh, side note, yeah, Fresh Prince would definitely good if they would just bring the, the original cast, Sans, old Aunt Viv because of obviously creative differences. And of course, James a very passed but, away. Um, Rest in peace, Shredder. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I would say if they do, like, yeah, I would see the concept. But I'm thinking, I know Will Smith was talking about if they do, if he does. I know he would. He, like, even if it's just like he coached the idea or, that maybe like a Jefferson um, thing did. Like if it was a mini, like a remake of it. No, it's not a remake. Like a live that. action reenactment of it. Like, like a, they did with all the family and the Jeffersons. No, not well, not to the extent, but like if it was just like a one episode, one off kind of deal. Be like fun. a tribute. Yeah, it would be fun. I know they wouldn't do it because it's expensive, but like because they gotta pay egos. But um, I think like. Because I know Will Smith did mention if they approached him. I think he would do it, but I would think it'd be focused more on his daughter. Or you know what? They should create. They should make into the Spider Verse into a whole series. I know there were they talks that. about I that Sony it. was in talks, of possibly doing a Spider Verse esque TV show. That'd be fun. The animation with the uh, cool, with Chris Lord and uh, Phil Miller producing it. I know they're doing a sequel to Enter the Spider Verse, which was a great film. I like the art style. Oh, it was great. I know they're doing that, they were going to do that, and then they were going to spin off of like an all-female one with Spider-Gwen, like Spider-Gwen as the main focus. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, Fresh Prince, I will say, yeah. Um, to me, I will say, it would be kind of hilarious if they do, if they get the blessing of the family, of the uh, Arnez family. Oh, uh, I, love I Love Lucy. Lucy which works, that would be so, be so cool. Yeah. Because it was like, technically, they were the first mixed-race couple on TV. On TV. Interracial couple on TV because, I mean, they were both, you know, comedians. You know, they, you know and the funny thing, people don't realize, if you watch the old Three Stooges short, she made a young Lucille Ball made appearance on a Three Stooges short. Mm-hmm. When she was barely starting. I think she was like, I think she said she was like 16 or 17 at the time. walked onto the set or something. And she guest starred there and they actually credit her on there as well. She yeah. did get a credit on there. And honestly, um, and I saw this thing on Reddit where someone did a 3D mock-up about how to do the sets. Because it was one of those first multi-camera shows. Because it was... Because mostly sitcoms were more like one camera. Yeah, because they would go into the room and then it would come out. Into yeah, the they always moved the camera yeah, around. But cool. here she helped develop the concept of a multi-camera thing. And they built the sets all in one set. So it was all one set, but they all connected. And they showed, like, someone put it on Reddit, like, it was a mock-up. Like, how it was set up. And they, she, like, she did fine television. But honestly... I would see that in a modern version. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. I cool. love Lucy. Like, in a modern take, you know, I mean, they can make, you know... Of course, Lucy Ball, like, her character will be more like the homemaker. But, I mean... They can flip it. Flip it, make the, the dad, like, make um the, the husband, Ricky, be like a homemaker while Lucy's a career woman. Yeah. And then, you know, or her friend, you know, Ethel, you know, they have the older couple. But she could be, like, her... Like, you know, her mentor at her job. Yeah, they could be a mentor's job, and or she could, or it could be the, or it could be the, uh, like the com- the comedy club owner or something who also used to be in stand up. Like you never know. Um, I mean, they could change a lot of things, but they have that dynamic between the husband and wife. Because I remember, I think on Hulu has like the certain selection of episodes. 
I remember just catching a few of them, and they're it's funny. A, it's like a, like an essential collection. Like but it's funny. But it's like it's hilarious. I mean, yeah. like she she broke comedies. Like she and her and um, Desi Arnaz, like they were like the first power couple. They were like the Hollywood power couple of the day. Excuse me, back in the day, and they brought the ideas. You know, hey, you know, they, it could work. And the dynamic between the, the two of them, you know, they were, they had some arguments offset. You know, they had differences, but they somehow made it work. I mean, even their kids were for cool. it. I mean, that'd be kind of cool if they did that. You know, bring that back. I will see. I, that uh, to me, that would be a TV show they should bring back. You know, um, anime wise, it was cool seeing Animaniacs. Um, animation wise, I know they announced He Man. Uh, Kevin Smith's doing the He Man project. Um, yeah. I mean, I know that there was Reapers that didn't work like Thundercats. I mean, the Thundercats 2011 was not bad, but at that time, Cartoon Network was more focused on toy sales. Which they still are. That's the only thing that were, that's what kind of ticked me off because it was like, I loved the, the reboot of Thundercats. It was cool, cool concept. They had Lionel, they had the original voice of Lionel as um, Lionel's dad, the king. And it was cool. Um, I liked the animation style and everything. It was like Lionel, like, he wasn't, like, it, to me, it was like development, like, saying he wasn't good with the sword, like, he was still learning yeah. how to, how to, how to hone the power. But it was like, that time, Carter was more focused on toy sales. That's what it was. It was more, fo- that's why they said it was canceled because of toy sales. Because they didn't, they didn't generate numbers, and that's what happened with Young Justice. Because Young Justice, you know, they were trying to cater to the male demographic. They got a lot of female following. And, of course, the big ups at Coach Nova were like, oh, no, we wanted to put the boys. Out of touch people. Out of touch people. Mm-hmm. And, of course, now they brought it back on the DC, uh, DC Universe streaming service. It's back for another season. So, um, I would say for a revival or... I would say to bring back... Um, I mean, they already did Turtles already. Um... It were up to me. What show I definitely wanted to see, like to bring it back. Um, I want to see more Looney Tunes shorts. Looney Tunes shorts. I know they did. Well, I think that'd be fun. That and also too. I mean, honestly, um, Sonic the Hedgehog, but the Sonic from the Saturday morning cartoon series, mm. because that it, that show never got closure. Because they ran for two seasons on carts- on the ABC. I know there were like talks in the past where they were saying first it was like ratings. But then I think later on it was finally revealed it was Sega that pulled the plug. Because they felt that Sonic's portrayal wasn't what they were looking at. Toy sales. No, it wasn't toy sales. There toy was, sales. It wasn't toy sales, but this is what they were saying. First that people thought it was just the ratings, but it was it, it gained a huge following. But I think years later, somebody who worked on the show revered that it was Sega. One of the higher-ups at Sega of America or Japan felt that they weren't too happy with how Sonic was being portrayed. Which, to me, was kind of weird in a sense, but it's like, okay, I understand, you know, Sonic has an attitude, but at the same time, I mean, there's times where Sonic can be vulnerable. He can be, you know... You know, it's like to give the characters more conflict, more depth, you know. They could be human as well. But to me, and that show ended on a cliffhanger. And of course, um, it got, you know, a lot of fan base on it. They did do a fan comic. And of course, I think there's this thing right now on Kickstarter that someone is raising money. And actually, um, 
they did like an animated pitch of possibly reviving it through an animation, but it's pretty much being kickstarted. So they're trying to revive the season three of Sonic the Hedgehog, but more like like pretty much a continuation just just to get the closure to what happened at the end of the second season. But I think right now it's probably funny through Kickstarter right now and they did through an animation pitch thanking the people who are donating money. And it looks good. I mean, for a fan like someone like the you know, for a fan group taking time, like there is a sequel comic that was done like years back and there like I said there's a Kickstarter right now for an animated uh, follow-up to it. But that's something I would love to see. I mean, what would be your, like, animated one if they brought it back? What would be your animated follow-up? If they, like, a reboot or revival that you would like to see? I want to see a new Batman cartoon. Mm-hmm. Not not a tone to the 90s one, which is probably the mecca of it, but because it's excellent. However, I, maybe, uh, maybe Batman's an easy answer. I want to see something where, at least with his character, more more or less bring op- open up the more development for villains, but tell the stories for more or less showing an early Batman. Oh, like a young like Batman. Like the first run. Like his first run. Like Batman like, Year One? Kind of, yeah. Kind like of like Savage style? Ca- capture that, those storylines, and, and just kind of how, you know, we... Kind of every time that they retell the origin of Peter Parker and he starts, Spider-Man gets that, and I think Batman, we, we get we get flashbacks of him as a kid, and Gotham tried their best to kind of provide that, but more or less cater to the environment of the city as a whole, and then we'll just toss in Batman a little bit. But this one being like, now that the Joker kind of made waves, and, and we saw that again, I think, with the cartoon property, it would be cool to get him in a sense of like... Him, him starting off. Him building up... His perception of Gotham and and what he thinks is needed for the city, and for him to show his vulnerabilities, not only us knowing that his parents being gone, but him showing his vulnerabilities as as a crime fighter and for justice and and also vigilante justice essentially, but like he's he's a rogue, so like. Mm-hmm. I want to see that in action, and um, and maybe get glimpses into other villains that don't get a lot of shine that are not the Joker, like the obscure villains. Yeah, like a lot of those who can. And I, maybe, I remember like, seeing the anime series; they brought back a lot of villains yeah, that a lot were of randoms, like but like, like were, King. I'm like, you saw like good. yeah, they, the like the guys, series? like the toy guy, the toy maker guy, like that, or the Rat King was interesting, like. All that shit's so weird. Like, all these like, obscure villains. Because, yeah, because, I mean, you got the show Harley Quinn, which to me looks kind of funny, but that's more like adult. It's more catered to an adult audience. Yeah. That looks good in a concept. Like, and it's kind of funny because they're bringing, like, these... Like, Harley Quinn starting her own, like, Legion of Doom, and it's like... Yeah. She's, she's bringing villains that are not... They, they, they don't get, like, the, the rap sheet, you know? They don't get the glory. They don't get the fame as the big guys like Joker and all them. Yeah. That works, because that's kind of cool, because the Harley Quinn character... And they could do, like... Even with that being out, it could be a crossover. Cause well, I don't know, because Batman does appear on that show. Right, but what I'm But what's kind of cool about that Batman on there? You know who does the what's that Batman? Derek Bader is doing Batman. Derek uh, J- yeah. Remember him from Batman Brave and the Bold? Which, yeah. to me, was cool. Batman Brave and the Bold was awesome. But, yeah, I kind of like the idea, like, you know, Batman, like, Batman starting. You know, Batman, after he comes back from, like, training and stuff and just yeah. starting in Gotham. And yeah, he can even show Because I know Frank too. Miller did, like, something like that with Batman Year One. Yeah. 
And I know they did like an animated movie version of it, but I would like to see that. X Men would be cool too. Either one. X Men. That would be with those Batman or X Men. So like TV show, what would you revive? If okay, say like, like I gave my ideas for like I I love Lucy. Like if I reboot it, say like say if you're getting a chance to like you're working hard with like um reboot a TV show or or a movie, what kind of franchise would you like do a reboot of that you think would kind of work? Like, um, given, like, the opportunity. For, like, a, a movie? A movie or a TV show, like, either property or something like that. TV show, West Wing would be cool to do again. Like, West Wing? Yeah, West Wing would be very cool to do, especially in this political climate that we constantly live in because it's part of it, but uh, West Wing would be cool, um, I think, because then we can focus more on the, the the administrations and, and just, I think, especially in the modern era with all this surveillance technology being a big deal... I think it would be cool to get another another set with that, or and then bring back Martin Sheen. It'd be so <laughs> throwing Rob Lowe would be great. Like just them being in higher official positions that maybe could just serve as like Lowe. advice, could serve as like mentor things to drive the plot a bit. Um, not Man. not not so much fan service, but more or less like. Like Martin Sheen, he's not the president, but he's like an executive because remember he well, he wouldn't be the president anymore at that point. But no, like, he'll he would be just working in the office. Or something, I'm yeah. sure he would still be in the White House, working in a chief of staff or something. Yeah, um, but definitely a West Wing esque. Um, in SARS TV movie wise, I do think obviously we're gonna get Matrix. It would that one would have been one for sure. Uh, what I would like to see in movie wise would be something focusing on, like, the 47 Ronin and drawing out the samurai. The, one the story that, of the samurai, yeah. The one just, that I can't restart it with. No, not that one. Just just the, the the actual 47 Ronin. That being turned into... not That being turned into more of, like, a, a an actual standalone kind of... I guess you could say maybe that should be. A, I would. I want that to be a TV show. That'd be cool. Like stretch it out over like a period of um, time. Yeah, and I actually enjoyed the Keanu version movie. I liked it because it had a lot of like I that mean, fantasy. Just don't care for for to look into different properties as far as the samurai culture, but and like my bias could be it, but I think I think that'd be a cool thing to put uh, movie wise, something like that or. Oh. <laughs> They would do Hellboy. Uh, no, I just like I. I would. I really like the story of forty one, forty seven Ronin, and or maybe even throw in some like if they were to develop a Lovecraft movie a universe. It's kind of funny how they so have cool. not developed anything based on that Lovecraft. Well, because I more, mean they've done it in video game. They've done it in video game. I like but, for a fact that video games did a good job. But all that's our horror tropes. That all those tropes come yeah. out from there. I would say for me, like I already gave my TV show revival reboot and TV show. Um, car animated. I would say, like movie wise, if I had a chance to reboot a franchise and pretty much start it over. Um, yeah, you already did. Uh, I mean, we can't redo Matrix. I mean, that's already been. That's already been added. I know it's like it's kind of hard. Which I don't know why, but it is what it is. Given the the flack it's been gone like recent years, like um. What was the re- what was that one property? I'm trying to remember. Ah, in that name, they were trying to. I'll say the Dark Universe. Yeah, right. I I mean I wasn't a big fan of movie monsters, but I would what it done was I would have started with the Mummy. I would have what done was started with Dracula. 
But what I'll do is, you know, I know they try to do with Dracula and Tove. Yeah, go back to his origins, but they shifted back to more of a modern setting. Like, you know, Dracula during the modern times, but pretty much, you know, they'll do flashbacks to his time in Transylvania. But him now, basically, you know, he's not in hiding, but I would say to start him off, he would start first and then, you know, at least to the mummy. And then you got Frankenstein monster, but Frankenstein monster, bringing him in. It's more like he's dormant. Like, the monster's made, but he's dormant. So, like, having Dracula first, and then, of course, you know, not Dracula being evil or anything, but he's still surviving all these years. He's, like, you know, surviving on blood and everything. But I would say he's pretty much, to me, I would have him more as, like, an anti-hero. Like, he's against, like, the imitators. Yeah. Say that he's in charge of this group, and then all of a sudden someone in his faction decides to rebel against him, and they're making him look bad. So he decides to come out of hiding and decides to, you know, clear his name. He's being accused of this, being accused, you know, of these attacks. And then also, okay, you got Russ Crowe, but you can introduce Dr. Jekyll into the mix. But either Dr. Jekyll recruits him or something saying, hey, you know, since he's a forensic, he's a scientist that deals with, you know, different, you know, shit. Yeah, and then he can bring him along. And of course, you know, they're bringing, like, the Invisible Man. They were trying to bring the Invisible Man as well, bring him into the mix, or, like, Dorian Gray. or Like like I said, there's... I would take that franchise and try to make it... To make it all connected. I know the universe wanted to do it, but the mummy... Yeah, I love the, the concept of the female mummy, but it's like... I wish it done better. I would get, like, actors that you don't expect. Yeah, I want to throw some big-name actors, but I would try to get actors that, you know... Ones that you don't expect them to play these characters. Mm-hmm. To give them a chance. And be like, oh wow. It's like, you know, people that took chance like, you know, on, you know, Paul Rudd playing Ant-Man. Like, no one expected him to play Ant-Man. And look what happened. He's like a remembered character. Or, you know, Chris Evans, you know. he He's Captain America. Or when John Fryer took a gamble on Robert Downey Jr. Because at that time, Robert Downey Jr. had the problems with drugs and stuff. He took a gamble on him to play Iron Man. I would take actors kind of similar to that and try to give them a break to shine. Mm-hmm. So that's something I will like reboot will be the Dark Universe as a franchise. Like I said, I will start with Dracula, lead into, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, and lead into, you know, Frankenstein's monster, the Wolfman. I'll also bring the Wolfman into the mix as well. Oh, yeah. Man, Wolfman. Just to bring it all together to culminate in one. Not American Wolf. America Team Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Not Team Wolf, but to bring, like, the one cop and dog get together on it. And it could be, you know, they can fight against, you know, demons. I could bring the whole concept of demonology into it as well. They could, like, they all work together against a common enemy. Kind of like the Avengers, <laughs> but with, like, <laughs> with the movie. With with, dark. Because <laughs> you think Marvel. Marvel did something like that, too. They had, Like, Dracula it was a part of the Marvel Universe as well. People don't realize that because, you know, Deadpool has run it with him as well. Devil had a run with Dracula as well, and he is portrayed in Marvel as well. And it shows you that those kind of characters do work in the mod- in like in the comic universe. So I can see myself rebooting as a whole, but just to make it organically fit. Because I know Mummy tried, but it was like it, I, to me it felt rushed. Like I said, it could just transition one to the other. Yeah. So that's that will that will be my franchise to reboot. Will probably be that like the Dark Universe. It'd be, it'd be cool. I mean, 
Because they can definitely stretch out. I like the the concept you have with Dracula. Shit, you should have kept that under the wraps because that that could be a show we could write that out. That'd be a good one. I know the BBC did a thing on Netflix for called Dracula. Oh, you know what? I would love to them to do. Uh, I liked Orphan Black a lot from BBC World. Uh, that would be cool if they made that into a movie. I'm uh, surprised they haven't not done that until. What's her name? Marciana Lee or no? That's that's somebody else. Uh, or isn't it? I can't remember her name, but I've always had a mad crush on her. But Orphan Black, great show if you guys haven't heard of it. Um, it should be on all. It should be on Amazon Prime and Hulu. Uh, it's that show ended its run a few years back. I want to say back two thousand and fifteen or sixteen. Okay, so like I said, you know, guys, it's like I mean, like I said, that's our opinions when it comes to reboots and stuff. If you guys have any. Think about it, guys, if you had any ideas for reboots, or if you guys like any of them, just, you know, feel free to discuss on our Facebook page or Twitter, you can tweet me at TheFranchise85, um, you can go to our Facebook ta- Facebook page, which is Facebook.com slash ShockingPodTheFranchiseMiko, and the question for you guys is, what reboot or remake did you guys enjoy, or what, if you had the opportunity, what would you propose? Um, wow, this thing actually went longer than expected, you know? Like I said, this was a good episode. I mean, something to talk about. So, I mean, guys, um, we'll have, we'll come back next week. Um, we'll have a new topic to discuss. Um, like I said, you can always check out our backlog of episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Pretty much anywhere you can get your podcasts on, you can check out the backlog. Um, you can also check out our store on teespring.com slash pop. We got merchandise. We got shirts. We got hoodies. Especially with being cold outside, it's the freaking winter. I mean, if you want a coffee mug, you want silver warm beverage, we do have coffee mugs as well with our Pops or Not logo. Um, just a big announcement, guys. Just to let you know, we're going to go to C2E2. Um, in Chicago. In Chicago. So we're actually going to... That will probably be our future episode. So we'll probably do a reaction episode on our experience at C2E2. It's going to be about... It's been about three years. It's going to be about three years. That we haven't gone, so I mean, it's because a lot of things happened around that time. It's like we can't make it. Um, usually, it's like events that we had to go to or be at. That you know, the dates kind of no line up. But yeah, think, the more and more that they put on, it's been happening earlier and earlier in the year. So the consistency isn't there as far as them. Because I know last year they did a tenth anniversary, but I think at that time our cousin was getting married around that time, so yeah. we couldn't go. Um, but yeah, we're looking forward to go to C two E two. So that probably be our one episode. We'll probably focus on, like I said, um. And, of course, we got Black Widow coming out later this year. And, finally, the announced New Mutants is coming out in April. I mean, there's a lot of things coming out this year as well, like shows-wise and movies-wise. And, of course, um, right now on Netflix, I'm watching The Dragon Prince right now. It's uh, by the creators, one of the writers from Avatar The Last Airbender. Wrote the show for Dragon Prince, helped create it. So, I know a lot of people, uh, it looks cool, like the animation style. It's kind of like that 3D-esque animation on um, Biko while you're watching right now uh right now I've just been finding myself on YouTube rabbit holes uh I've been catching up with uh Patriot Act by Hassan Minaj if I'm saying that correctly I can't remember but uh his show's great um and I'm just kind of I might maybe I think I might get in, into The Witcher today finally watch the first episode I was waiting till like well not, I'm barely on episode two on that one. I yeah, just haven't mentally wanted to watch something and get lost in it, and I uh, want to get into the hype, I guess, with everyone. And I and I did enjoy playing the game for a brief time, and that I did, I didn't get too far into the game um, because 
games like that remind me of Skyrim, and I have nothing against RPGs, they're great, it's just those things overwhelm me. I'm more of a Fallout guy, and yeah, I, do, I those just type of games overwhelm I me. I started watching, like, I think I watched the first two episodes of The Witcher right now, so we might do an episode focusing on The Witcher itself, like our reactions, so I can say eight, I think it's eight episodes. Um, I know a lot of people are saying, you know, at first when they heard it was announced, people were thinking, oh, it's based on the game. But no, it's based on the books, because remember, it was the books, it's a novel, it's a novel. series, I think our friend Ivan, that's what we're trying to get, and guys, we're trying to get our buddy Ivan on the show, I know he's, he was one of, the, our episode with him was like one of the top episodes of our show, so we're trying our best to get him on the show, we'll bring back Mondo as well, we're trying to do like a four panel, like a four person discussion, so we're, yeah, four people guys, we're gonna try to get four people Crap. on at the yeah. same time, so believe me, we got a lot of stuff planned. For the show, guys. We like we want to thank you know you guys for listening and you know supporting us through Anchor. Uh, especially shout out to our our fans in India, guys. Uh, we made international, so you know thank you so much. Um, taking your time out your busy schedule listening to our show. Like I said, we're only sponsored by Anchor. Also, thank you to Anchor, you know, for sponsoring us and giving us this opportunity to break out and you know give you guys an opportunity to listen to one of your many sources of podcasts. You know, I don't say this enough. Thank you very much. You know, this is something that started like three years ago. We started back in 2017. And that's funny because our first episode was The Defenders. Mm-hmm. It was a review of The Defenders. So, um, like I said, we got a lot of things planned. We're going to try our best to give you guys new content every week. Um, like I said, you can follow me on social media on Twitter at TheFanchise85. Um, like I said, you can follow the Facebook, like the Facebook page, which is Facebook.com slash Pop. Check us out on there if you want to post questions or, you know, ideas that you want us to discuss. Um, like I said, um, like I said, check out our merch store. It's on teespring.com slash talkingpop. Um, like I said, and if you guys are living in Chicago and um, if you come and want to come by and say hi, we're going to be walking around C2E2. And I believe we're going to go on Saturday the 29th of February is when we're going to go. Um... I'll give you guys clues of what I'm gonna go as. Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna dress up. SC two E two. If you guys went there in the past, I will mention who I'm gonna portray, who I'm gonna be, who am I gonna dress as. Um, like I said, um, we'll probably um, what we we'll do is I'll we'll probably um, get a couple of talking pop shirts and see if you guys can find us. <laughs> so we'll probably get a couple of shirts to, if you guys want to try to find us and you know say hello, say hey, take pictures. You know, we'll met you guys on the show. Um, once again, like I said, thank you for supporting the podcast. As always, I'm the franchise. And I'm Biko. Going to be waiting for the Mandalorian. Geek on and take care.